0: All right, as long as we're not going into muddier water. Lobo, did you have, before we get rolling with this, did you have anything you wanted to ask him about or whatever?
1: Also, 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 hi, Lobo, I haven't. I got, hey, what's haven't up? Got to work edgewise. Hey, buddy, it's good to hear from you, I, man.
2: You too, I just want to hear him
1: talk. Oh, That's it. so you're, you're one of those, huh? <laughs> okay, get out the Vaseline and listen to me talk. Oh.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, you figured it out.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. Okay, then. Um I, <laughs> I figure if we if we go because like, I I was kind of have they
1: go long we'll say go long after <laughs> yeah
0: I figure in about an hour we'll take like a break and you can go off to the bathroom and sing to us while you're pissing again and. Uh
1: yeah, you know, exactly.
0: We'll go from there, I guess.
1: What, what Wonder from the seventies I sing this time? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> though though Brandy was was pretty good. <laughs> uh, I really that's, struggled that's with. My, I was like, should I really put this at the end of the show? Do I really want to do this? Because I didn't, you know.
1: Uh, no. That's one of my. That's one of my proudest moments. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. That, I'm immortalized, taking a leak and playing, seeing Brandy. So. That,
0: again, that's probably one of the reasons people come here to hear stuff like this, because you don't, you can't do this kind of stuff on Mysterious Universe, you know? <laughs> oh, right, exactly, exactly. All right, yeah. let me hit record here. And uh... Hello, everybody. Hello. Lately, we've received letters asking about what people in this country know and think about the various riddles scientists are working on. Well, for instance, the Bermuda Triangle. Well, for instance,
3: unidentified the flying, flying, flying objects, objects unidentified unidentified various lake monsters, and last but not least, monsters, the so called abominable, abominable snowman. snowman. The abominable snowman. snowman. Just by way of explanation, snowman. Snowman. this so called snowman, this so called Sasquatch in
0: Canada, since, snowman. Snowman. since that's what the local Indians first named the so beings they claim to have come across for centuries.
3: Well, for instance, the Bermuda Triangle. I know what I experienced. Unidentified flying objects. And it was this light flashing, uh, a white fluorescent light pulsating in the sky, and that's what this looks like, and it's pulsating, and it's just kind of freaky, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's not lightning in just a single area like a strobe light would do. Uh-huh. It's doing it to the whole horizon. Asking about what people in this country know and about think what about the, the, various graduate graduate graduate. the various real scientists graduate. are
0: working on. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back. This week, um, well let's get a bunch of stuff right out of the way way real quick and then I remind everybody when we do the closing. There will be no show next week at all. There will be no best of. There will be nothing next week. Next week is coming up. Yes. And why is that? You may ask. Go ahead, ask. Why is that? I I never thought you would ask. Um, Because I'm going to be in Vegas with Todd and Chuck from Wheel Nerds, as I've stated twice already on other shows. Um, being their camera bitch or media boy camera bitch or whatever bitch. you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, running around Vegas, filming stuff with them. And I, there's some other podcasts that's going with us now as well. So for Wednesday and Thursday, no, Thursday, Friday, I'm going to be their little, you know, grip bitch boy running around with them. You know, but <laughs> I, you know, it's fine. Cool. I like doing it. Like Thursday, I'm helping out. And then Friday I get to go and be like, I want to ride that motorcycle. And they say, sign here, sir. Give us your license. Okay. Thank you. Be back here at one o'clock and you may take this motorcycle for a ride. And then I get to go ride bikes that I will never, ever be able to afford in my life. But, um, and then after that, we're going to spend a couple of days, you know, just me and the wife and kids going out and seeing stuff and doing stuff. But, um, so yeah, that, uh, right there is the reason why this show is going to be around two hours. This whole episode is probably going to be over two hours long. It's a double long show. No, that is not pornographic with, um, you know, (laughs) With uh, Joshua Cutchin returns, and we finally hit him back on to talk about his book. We really don't talk about his book very much. We <laughs> kind to of go everywhere except for his book. We talk about it very briefly. Um, a brief note, I was whacked out on caffeine on this. Um, uh, previous to editing, I did talk a lot, but I've edited a lot of myself out of it and fixed the show. There was also a strange gap in our internet connection where I would talk and then you guys would talk and then we would be talking over one another and we would have to stop until whoever was talking would talk, which would often be both of us again. So I had to go back and edit that. Actually, at the time of this recording, I have not yet quite finished re-editing the show to make it sound good. But none of this is going to matter because by the time you guys hear it, it a lot of that will have been removed, taken out, or taken care of. But, um, yeah, we do a two-hour show. And um, we cover... Oh, man, we cover everything. We A cover lot of stuff. A lot UFOs, of stuff. Bigfoot, ghosts. Uh, Pretty much
2: all things paranormal.
0: Fairy folklore, of course. But Josh is going on this everything is fairies kick, so we just kind of roll with it. <laughs>
2: Poor Josh.
0: But I'll give him credit because, I'm, well, we'll talk about all that afterwards. So, yep. um We've got a whole bunch of stuff to uh, discuss after the show. There will be outtakes and bloopers or whatever you oh, want to call Jesus. them at the end of the show, after the music, um, of much like the ones that I've already ran before this, because we have many. And uh, we will see you at the other side to discuss everything that's going on, especially with the upcoming pizza show. Yes, Kay. you're correct. See you guys at the other side. Whee! Finally, back again, actually I can't say that because you were here not too long ago interviewing an us with me about her folklore legends from over in France, but this time around we've got you here to talk about your book, which we're probably not going to be talking a whole heck of a lot about, at least not directly, is The Return of <clears throat> Mr. Joshua Cutchin. Wow, my throat popped out there. Welcome back, Josh.
1: It's good to be back. You know, there's um, there are podcasts that you that you go on and you, uh, you, know, you have to really... Present a stiff upper lip and be as you know spot on as you can, and this is—it's nice to have some that I can come back to that feel like feel like home, where you can let your hair down and just sort of yeah know, we chat are, by the chat, chat by the bonfire, so to speak.
0: We are your cure for stiff upper lip erectile dysfunction. So, um, so, anyways, um, see, I, see, I don't I don't have the lips up down there, so I don't know what to do about that. Wow, that was a direction I was not planning on going in at all. You had to take it one step further. Um We've been shooting back and forth. We were talking actually before we went on the air here about uh, it's been we haven't had you on here for this book yet. And one of the reasons is, is um, I'm actually rather proud of this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this about me for a second or us. I should Shocker. say like you've be, like we've known we've known you for a while now and, and you've become a really big deal. Like when this book came out, you've been on every podcast. You've been on coast to coast. Um, of course, you've been on Radio Mysterio. So you and Greg are Buds and. You've been on uh, Coast to Coast, Mysterious Universe, and every podcast out there that I could possibly think of. It's like every week or every other day, I'm going on such and such podcast tonight to talk about my book. Um and I'm very arrogant and conceited about the fact that yeah, we know Josh. Like he's a phone call away. You know we can bug him at any time. <laughs> you know it's I don't mean to be like sound jerky about that, but it's I'm just like yeah, we know him. He's cool. You know it's 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 not like you know we're, we're it's not like we have to like book your time ahead of time or like that. You know. But um, I didn't want to have you on here to talk about the same stuff that you've talked about in every podcast and in every interview and get the same questions over and over and over again. So it was a matter of well, what are we gonna talk about that you haven't talked about very often or haven't talked about yet? So we brainstormed back and forth and threw some stuff up in the air and now we're just gonna swat it like flies and see what comes down. So um how have you been?
1: Uh I I have been I've been good, I've been busy. Um, you know, like you said, it's been uh I don't I, I, I get the sense so there are a couple of websites that you can monitor. Amazon Amazon keeps really bad track of your book sales, and plus, you know, on top of that, there's direct sales from Anomalist and Barnes and Noble sales too. And the one site that actually was sort of keeping tabs on Amazon sales um, folded back at the beginning of September, right before my coast to coast interview. So I get I get the sense that the book is that the book is really doing well. I'm definitely, good lord, I'm definitely talking more than about it than I have anything else. Which you know, uh, I I. Uh, I
0: Dude, Amazon ran <laughs> out of it, and there were copies going for wasn't one like nine hundred or something or six hundred dollars.
1: Yeah, I mean, so yeah, Amazon has been has been sort of a little bit more of a pain about it about this book than other ones because they've also been saying that it takes like five weeks and you know anomalous books is print on demand. It shows up generally within five days, not five weeks, but uh, you know, but uh, it's I've, I've gotten a real good feeling about it and. Uh, and uh it, like like I said it's not for any lack of of publicizing. I don't know how proud you should be of knowing me. It's kind of like saying you're the skinniest kid at fat camp or something. I mean,
0: it's Well, that's definitely uh, <laughs> not true. I I'm definitely not the skinniest. Lobo maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um but uh <laughs> but um you know, it's I uh, I I've I've been busy between that and actually playing. You know, the two times of year that tuba players are busiest are Mardi Gras and Oktoberfest. So um I've been staying just really super busy which is it's good it is good
0: so like how do I even start this it's like how has this response been more than you like, more than you imagined or or how have you been dealing with this because you're kind of become this go-to guy for this kind of stuff you know it's like you've You've shot up through the rank, like because we haven't had like a rising star in the quote unquote paranormal field in quite a while, or anybody that's bringing anything new to the table, so. I mean, are, are you still staying humble with this? Is it? Are you beginning to realize that you're shooting up like this? Or I,
1: I think you're still overestimating how much attention people are paying to me. I'm, I I'm don't really, know, man. I mean, yeah,
0: <laughs> no. I, 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 the answer I, to that is no, you have not yet realized what's going on with you yet.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, sometimes I feel like one of those people who like, like there are some people who are like, yeah, I'm a big fan of Joshua Kutchin. I've listened to all of his shows, but I've never read one of his books. <laughs> Sort yeah, <laughs> of, that's sort of the space that I feel like I occupy right now. Which you know, it's that, that's fine. I mean, there are people, you know, on the uh, on the flip side, there are people I I'm just as guilty of uh, of, of 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 doing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um I I don't know it, it's it is odd. I will say that it's very odd to um have conversations with the people that I that I talk about and such. I mean, you know, the, the fact that I. You know was in middle school reading you know jerome clark and having to you know like literally like repair those books with uh with packing tape and you know reading lauren coleman and for example something i cite often is the uh lauren coleman and patrick weege's um uh field guide to lake monsters and you know patrick is my publisher now and I have exchanges with Lauren, who said kind things about my book, and Jerry Clark's reviewed some of my stuff for you know fourteen times. It's it is it is really weird. Um, so yeah, um, it's 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 weird to, to sort of be a phone call away from some of these people that I've thought about and admired for for a long time. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess it's some semblance of an answer. It's it's an honor, but at the end of the day, for me, it's about it's really about the work. It's not about rubbing shoulders. I am, I am a I am I am a wee bit baffled by. The fact that I don't speak at, at conferences, but I think that has something to do with the fact that, that I don't tow a lot of party lines on what a lot of these things are. But again, if if, if that's the price that's paid for intellectual honesty, then I will keep paying that price. Because again, like I, like I said, I think it really is about the, the work.
0: Are you getting asked to go to any conferences or have you tried to go to any? Um, I went to
1: Fort Fest in 2016. Um <laughs> sorry I think about it. I, I went to Ford Fest in twenty sixteen. You know, we do the Paramania thing every year, which is sort of a non-ticketed unconference that me and Benal and Greg Bishop and well you were there. Yeah,
0: the I went to the first year. one, yeah. Uh, I may um, try to make it to the next one, but I I no promises.
1: Well the next one, in case anybody's listening and wants to hop on down, is gonna be in Roswell, Georgia. Um you're gonna visit the Bigfoot Museum, which uh is Absolutely fantastic. I thought it was going to be super cheesy, but it's absolutely fantastic. And we can sort of talk about what, what's there in North Ge- the North Georgia Bigfoot Museum. Um uh, we can talk about that at some point if you want to. But um so you know, I've done my Paramania speeches, I've given a couple of local move-on lectures, I've done Fort I did Fort Fest back in 2016, but like, you know, beyond that, not a lot of stuff. There's one that there's one that I'm supposedly doing in April, but I want to see some more. I want it to, to concretize a little bit more. Um, but yeah, just not really getting invited to stuff. And that's, that, I, I will confess to a bit of, um, it's not, uh, resentment's too strong. It's almost like chagrin or something. Um, you know, there are people who I, I feel like I see people who are either intellectually dishonest or, you know, just, Cracking out some random short form internet posts here and there that don't really haven't really done some work and are getting invited to things. It really does sort of baffle me in some ways. But I guess it's all about who you know. And again, like you know, it's <laughs> what I talk about is kind of a hard sell for a lot of the people in these communities. You know, I'm not ta- I, I, I'm not you know an, a, a proponent of the of the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Um, I'm less and less sold on the idea that Bigfoot is just a relic hominid. So that kind of I think that kind of makes, makes me. Unpopular, so I guess I'm a paranormal hipster at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I gotta ask, how did um how'd Mufon respond to you? Did you have a bunch of like bored faces in the room just staring at you or did you get any resentment?
1: You know, it's it kind of reminds me of uh, um it kind of reminds me of uh a lot of the things that you run into with any sort of large group of people like, you know, um <sighs> Most people that you run into on the street are nice, and they will, you know, you could leave your laptop sitting there and say, "Watch my lap." Would you mind watching my laptop while I go to the bathroom? And they'll watch it. Who you knows if their lives depended on it? Mm-hmm. But human beings as a whole aren't wired that way. <laughs> and I think, I think, you know, the paranormal community is a lot like that, especially the ufological community. I think ufology is not wired to accept the non-ETH ideas. But once you get, you know, the, the smaller and smaller you pare down, and you know. This, this monolith of, of thinking into smaller groups and even individuals, um, they really you know they're they're a lot more receptive. And um, I know at least in the Georgia chapter, there are some people with some good heads on their shoulders um, who are really actually quite open to things. I actually, uh, the head of Georgia Mufon I, I was speaking with one time, and he says, "Yeah," he said, "I you know I don't really know what's going on, but little green scientists is not the whole of the answer," which I thought was you know pretty shocking. So it's it's getting better. Wow, it's getting better. Yeah, no, um, it's uh, and, and is, is this the same organization getting, that voted
0: David Jacobs, ufologist of the year or something like that a year ago. <laughs> Are we talking about the same people here?
1: <laughs> was it David Jacobs a year ago or is it Tom DeLong a year
0: ago? I mean, You, you know, know what? You're right. Some... It was Tom DeLong, And before that, it was David Jacobs. Tom DeLonge, I could I mean, sort of some... see, I guess, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but this be- is before he presented a shred
1: of anything. Yeah. You know, well, a shred of any sort of, you know. Uh, progress and I you know I there are there are plenty of DeLongites and some who I would consider people with good heads on their shoulders but but I think what's happening is I mean for example for example you have people like Rich Dolan actually saying that the contact portion of the ET experience much more closely represents you know grimoire encounters with spirits fairy encounters things like that than any sort of logical you know, ETH model, which is a shocking development. And I really do see that playing out, you know, as a whole, I think people are, I don't think that ideas are changing so much. I just think people are getting a little bit more nuanced about their Mm -hmm. ideas. So I think that people are more willing to say that perhaps the contact experience might be separate from the actual lights in the sky experience. Because honestly, I mean, in terms of lights in the sky, I'm much more open than I was, at, you know, <laughs> than I was a couple of years ago, to the idea that some of those lights in the sky might be some sort of extraterrestrial phenomenon. I think with the lion's share still, you know, unexplained natural phenomena, and uh, quite a few are unorthodox military aircraft. But I'm, I'm I'm much more open to the idea that the lights in the sky are, are actually represent alien visitation. When it comes to people on the ground having these experiences, there are just s- simply way too many analogs, way too many connections to other storied traditions. And I think that's, you know, the the primary sin of the ancient aliens crew is not that they're seeing evidence where there isn't any, even though that's the thing that they do. It's that they constantly say, these people thought they were seeing spirits, but they were actually seeing aliens without considering the invert. Yeah. That, you know that we that we that we are seeing aliens where they were actually you know they were actually see, perceiving it more
0: correctly than we were
1: mm-hmm. you know something that i wonder a lot of times
0: i've always got this idea when somebody says do you think it's this or do you think it's that or, or could it be this my answer is usually it's all of the above but we're kind of in our perception have a, in a limited scope can only perceive certain things and we want to categorize things and put them in boxes because that's human nature to do so so it's kind of like it's like looking at a platypus and going, "It's a duck." No, it's not a duck. It's 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 a beaver because it's got a tail like a beaver. Well, it's maybe more like a wolverine because of its paws or whatever. And it's kind of like, no, that's a platypus. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm right, giving right, a correct right. analogy, but you know, I don't. Uh, it's it's one of those things where I, I've pissed off a lot of people because I don't like I, I'm not I'm not down on the ET hypothesis. Um, I think it could explain some of it. But it definitely doesn't explain all of it, and you resist very hard the temptation to want to say, "Well, E. T. explains all of this." I'm like, "No, I think E. T. explains some of it, but not all of it." Well, well, then it, this. What about this? Well, you know, or, you know
1: the, the, the softening of that attitude does warm the cockles of my heart because I think that there's anything wrong with you know the West, but particularly America right now. It's that you know, <laughs> with us or against us, it's all this or not this you know, sort of thing. Uh, you know. Um, the people aren't willing to sit with ambiguity anymore. Uh, yeah, in, in a lot of in a lot of quarters. So uh, I I think that uh, the fact that that's being mirrored in you know in, in the paranormal field uh, is is really encouraging. Um, uh, you, you know, and and also I think it's also encouraging the fact that this stuff, you know, despite um despite some pernicious pedants out there, um uh this stuff is gaining gaining some real traction in the mainstream. I mean, so let's talk about this. Um, I mean, (laughs) something that absolutely boggles my mind is I'm driving uh, back from the beach over Labor Day, right? And it's like an eight-hour trip from where we go in North Carolina. Uh, It's the beach that I've always went to as a kid that we would go to. It's an eight-hour drive from there to where we live just north of uh, Atlanta. And like 40 minutes outside of Jacksonville, North Carolina – so if anybody's wondering uh, Jacksonville uh, is uh, the more or less um, the Camp Lejeune you know city but still it's not not a big city and we're talking about um, we're talking about a city that has a population of I believe like around 70,000 so not not huge and 40 minutes outside of there on this rural road in North Carolina is this this place called the the uh, i believe it was called the peddler and the crow metaphysical shop and i'm like wait a minute <laughs> and i go inside this is on a this is on like a saturday morning around noon um i go inside and the place is packed and not only that it's not some sort of little creepy you know half-assed creepy and or half-assed um you know occult shop it's Got nice wooden floors, and there's music playing. The display cases are immaculately kept. There's a you know significant library. There's an entire wall full of uh, I, don't know, I was about to say herbs and spices, <laughs> original herbs <laughs> <urban laughs> and spices. Um, you know, uh, but you know there there are all these resources, materials, uh, edu- education things. Not a bunch of new age, you know, you know fairies holding crystal balls for you to put in your garden. Like this was actually an actual practitioner shop. Mm-hmm. And the place was packed. There were probably about thirty people in there. Roar Road, forty minutes from the nearest town, which isn't that big, in North Carolina, in How Trump bizarre. country. You know, in Trump Country, packed. Absolutely packed. And like not like packed by people like, you know, sort of rubbernecking. I mean, packed, you know, people checking out and buying stuff. And that is, you know, I I've heard stuff and I, I, I had I had I had intellectually bought onto the idea that the magical renaissance was a thing. But um,
0: like, holy heck! Did you walk that up was, to the that counter was, and be like, "Hi, I'm Josh McCutcheon, paranormal uh, expertise and uh, writer of fairy folklore. Perhaps you've heard of me. No? Well, a, perhaps you haven't a, heard of me.
1: Hey, <laughs> no, because I try not to be a dick. Um, but, I, but But um, but you know, b, b there still is this there still is this thing in the magical community where the new age fairy." Idea is still way too embedded. Um, it's not nearly. It's 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 not honest about its its folkloric darker roots as as much as you know the folklorists are. So if this was like mm-hmm. you know, if this was a Celtic folklore shop, I might do that. But uh, um, did you try but, walking uh, up and no, saying,
0: "Hi, I'm Josh Cutchin. You may have heard of me from my various tuba performances. I can play Leonard Skinner <laughs> no, on the tuba." No. <laughs>
1: No, but I did think about walking up and saying hi. I've been on Project Archivist. Are you? Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Because that'll get you a lot of attention.
0: (laughs) That five
2: dollars still won't get you a cup of coffee. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Did I lose everybody? What happened? Did we drop signal? (laughs) All right, I'm going to have a lot of fun editing this. Well, you're skipping out here and there in your call, but it's not that bad. So I thought. Oh, I I, am. Yeah, it's not you. It's Lobo and myself are having some issues before we logged on. I think it's because of the weather up here. We're in the middle of um rain central. All the all the rain that hit down south has made its way up to here. So it's it's been on and off deluge all day long. Not a Tom Deluge, of course, but it's it's been raining fairly well. And that'll be it for my bad jokes for the night. So it's
2: pronounced deluge, so there's that.
0: You know it doesn't say anything the whole damn show unless it's to correct me. <laughs>
2: But that's why we love
1: him. It's
0: like, hey, well, I what?
2: wait for you to at least stop talking before I do it
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh the old the old married couple, oh my life God,
0: life. God, <laughs> this is why I don't so. swallow anymore, so um, are? <laughs> <laughs> why you don't swallow anymore oh my god moving on okay so
3: <laughs> okay sorry sorry I got distracted. um
0: i gotta give you a little bit of grief on your book though because i'm sure you've caught grief you had to have caught grief on this there's not a doubt in my mind that you haven't caught some kind of grief how many times can i say the word grief um yeah, i'm just gonna say one word and uh, i'm gonna let you roll with it so um that word would be end notes yeah yeah um, 900 pages of end notes <laughs>
1: No. To be fair. Hold on. Hold no, on. it's
0: it's good because it shows that you're well researched, but it was like Where where how do you get the time to go through all of these damn references that you have in here? I've got it up in front of me, and it's like you've got DNA studies, you got you, you've got all kinds of crap in here that you make reference to. I pardon the word crap, but you've just it amazes me like when me because me and you run in similar circles with folklore and things like that. And then every once in a while I'll find something and send it to you and you're like, I've never heard of this before. And I'm like, oh my God, how could you not have heard of this before? And then when I look at your end notes and all of the things that you have referenced, how did you – I don't even know where to start with this. You've got so much stuff that you've referenced in here to pull from. How do you read all this? Uh, Well, so – um,
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, <laughs> there, there was there was a show where somebody made – you know the the episode before. I guess they didn't realize that I listened to the show regularly, mm-hmm. and then made some sort of snarky comment about the guy coming on next time, who's uh, in whose uh, whose references were longer than most people's books, which is you know, I mean it's kind of true. It's um it's uh, I think it's like around seventy pages of end notes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ends up ends up around um I think around like sixteen hundred or so. Um, and notes for this book, and about over 700, 750 sources. I mean, so, so my um, and, and honestly, I, I do think I'm, I'm probably a little bit too thorough with it, but uh, you know, it's, it's part of the reason that, that I mean,
0: most people don't do this. Don't most because there's not a doubt in here where you're getting your information from. Where most most <laughs> of the time, ninety percent of the books you read, you don't know where they're getting their stuff from, and you've referenced everything, like everything you have found, you've got, which is kind of cool. And here's the the thing that's neat, nice, because. I can go. Wow, I've never heard of this book. I should go find this book. I, I should go find that book, and maybe it'll cross into this. Because what? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, part
1: part of it is. Um, so I mean, so it's a couple of things. Um, part of it is really insurance. I mean, uh, when I was writing a Trojan Feast for the first time, I was just saying to myself, you know, I, I was really sort of stressing out about. How how deeply should I go into vetting different cases? And my the way that I got around that for me was A, if you're gonna make a point, have several cases make that point. So if one of the cases, you know, if one of the cases doesn't hold up, then you've got some other cases, you know, if, if it comes out later that somebody was hot lying or hoaxing or whatever, the other cases will still stand on their own. But also B, it's not my place to vet every single case because I'm gonna show you exactly where all these things come from. So that's, you know, really a sort of a way of, of offloading, you know, the blame of the accuracy of things because I'm being completely transparent about uh about the sort of thing. So that so that 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 was a big part of it for me. I mean, the other thing is that I kind of, I kind of get a little bit of a thrill from from citing things. I don't, I don't know why, but I, I do. you've even
0: got Tolkien referenced in here. You've got J.R.R. Tolkien <laughs> referenced in this book. Yeah, I mean, well, you so, actually so, got the pages that you referenced well, it, it from.
1: <laughs> so, so another another aspect to why there are so many is if there's something that I either intuitively know or I have heard, repeated, or parroted a lot, I try to find a place where that's been referenced so that I can actually bring that in so people can say, well, where do you come up with that generalization? <sighs> the other thing is, you know, you'd be surprised how much you, if you've got a topic in your head and you are a var- paranormal podcast listener like I am listening to, you know, 15, 16 different podcasts a week. You'd be surprised how many things you sort of accrete as you go along, just listening to that throughout your week. And I literally like keep some scrap paper in the car so I can write down things as I listen. To you know, think about you know, you know, th- hearing 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 different things to reference here and there. Um. So yeah, and and again, uh, at the end of the day, like I think, I think part of the reason that the paranormal field gets so much grief for being as as for playing as fast and loose with facts as it does and it, and it does is because you don't have people saying, this is where this came from. This is where that came from. Um, you know, we're actually <laughs> there. Uh, my, my next project, which is the first this is the first thing I've breathed the breath of it. So here, there, there's some of your exclusive content. My next project is working with a, someone I've grown very close with who has been on this show and we are actually doing a joint, a joint book together probably going to be loosely structured as a, a series of essays although he and I, isn't it um <laughs> no this is this is um well I'm, I'm not ready to fully disclose yet but um <laughs> all right um, I, I, i'll tell you off the air but i'm not ready to fully publicly disclose um he's he, he is someone who um i really admire his work but and, and he and he provides bibliographies but he doesn't do endnotes. notes and i'm like dude we got to do end notes like this is this is this is the this is the uh, foundation I built my house on. We've, we've got to do end notes if you want to be a part of this. So it's like, oh, they're hard. And I'm like, no, don't worry. It's fine. By the time you write your 50th endnote, note, you're you're very familiar with that APA format. So, yeah, look forward to that when, whenever that's dropping.
0: Yeah. At this point, nobody probably we haven't talked about at all what your book is about. So let's briefly touch on that because we're a half hour into the show at least and if people haven't don't know what this is, you, you brought, uh, your book is Thieves in the Night, the newest one. What you're covering here isn't new territory. It's been covered before, but you are covering in a very fresh and polished way and very well referenced, as we've just stated. I, I pulled a lot out of this. Some of these cases are very similar to UFO abduction stories that are in modern area. Um, I'm seeing a lot of stuff. I, you're even kind of tapping on alien implants a little bit here. You're flirting with it a little bit. Um just how folklore mimics a lot of what's happening now in the paranormal field for the most part. Am I correct on that?
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty accurate uh assessment.
0: Cuz the only people I've seen to do anything like this is um like um it would be uh passport Pat- Patagonia. Oh my god, it just slipped my brain the second I said.
1: <laughs> passport to Patagonia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I I need a new fleece. I need a new fleece to wear outside. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. My to phone to just went out. off right when you said that. And it was like, I, I just got distracted. But um, yeah, God, Lobo, help me out here. You know what I'm, how I'm talking about. Um, I couldn't tell you. No, you, you know, I know, you know, about. Um, God, there's people out there that are reaching through their speakers and choking me through the neck right now. And I can feel it because I can't remember the guys. You know who I'm talking about
1: i know i'm just letting you languish no right don't do
0: this to me this hurts badly and i am like, look like an idiot Which, Jacques,
1: Valais, jacques Valais,
0: yes the french guy that yeah. was from close encounters of the third kind
1: <laughs> so here's here's the thing if everybody who talked about ufos used jacques volet as a role model it would be in a much better place than it is now um you know hands down and, and people have I think erroneously, but I'm still gonna say they've done it anyway, um, compared to a lot of the stuff that I um a lot of the stuff that I write to Villet's work, and that's just simply because of the, the, the fair UFO connection. But yeah. um That's well, not
0: a bad comparison to have anyways, though. I mean, you know, it's 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 not that bad. It could be I worse. Know, I mean, it's,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a lot better than you know it's a lot better than uh somebody coming up to you and saying, Hey, you really remind me of you got this face. It really reminds me of Steve Buscemi. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's exactly you
0: want to take you know? exactly. Uh,
1: Brad Pitt, please. So you know, you know so, uh, yeah, it's definitely a real compliment. Um, well, Valet's the only yes, person buddy. I've seen
0: cover this stuff like this before until you came along. But you've put a fresh coat of paint on it and really sharpened it up and brought it more into a modern focus. Then because Valet was pertinent at the time, but I feel your earth is more focused on what's going on now.
1: Well, you know, a lot of a lot of what Valet did was to just sort of lay the groundwork of, of making a lot of these comparisons, which had been noted on and off um, uh, in, in, in prior years. And some people had really poo-pooed his work, but for whatever reason, it really, you know, they poo-pooed some of the similarities. They felt that a lot of them were coincidental. But for me, it's, it's it really resonated for me. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I always, I mean, you know, maybe the reason that I don't speak at conferences is because I, I tend to approach this stuff a little bit more arm's length. I mean, do, do I think that there's an objective reality to, to most, most, if not all of these stories? I mean, yeah, that's, this is, this is my jam. You know, I, I think that there's something very real going on that deserves our attention and doesn't get nearly enough attention. But having said that, you know, the content, I really, um, do try to approach primarily and first and foremost as a folklorist, even though that's none of my formal training, you know, the closest thing in my formal training is my journalism training. Um, but, uh, you know, it, so it, it sort of is a natural extension to look at earlier folklore and compare it to what I think is, you know, again, objectively real or not. This modern folklore of, of the, uh, the, you know, for lack of a better term, extraterrestrial contact experience. Um, I, uh, I was really noncommittal. For my first two books in terms of hey, is, is this the same thing is it not you know is is the contact experience the, the fairy experience are they describing the same thing and i got about halfway through re- re- researching this book and I, and I said to myself there's no way that this is this is not a shared portion of the venn diagram this is a venn diagram that looks like a circle you know <laughs> it's 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 I'm, I'm con i'm very confident and i would i have plenty of bullets in this in this chamber to, to back up this argument that Whatever the fairy fate, particularly in the Celtic country, though so arguably worldwide because there are so many similarities and resonances, whatever that's describing, and I do think there's an objective other that that is describing, is the same thing that people are describing in the uh, modern alien abduction uh, scenario.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: For the most part, again, setting aside things like military abductions and. Uh, you know, pos- possible actual instances of 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 uh, you know extraterrestrial abduction. I think the lion's share of both these two things are describing the same phenomena. I don't think that aliens are fairies or fairies are aliens. I think both of them are people within the constraints of their their culture trying to describe this very alien in terms of other, in terms of bizarre phenomena. I think they're both looking at the same thing and describing them in different ways. It's sort of a hands on the, hands on the elephant sort of thing. Um, So, you know, and and this is, this sort of work, groundwork has been laid by people not only like uh, Valet, but also, you know, uh, Chris Albeck, Kevin Aspinall, Graham Hancock. They've all sort of dipped their toes in these waters, but I really wanted to focus in on, you know, this, Really, I wanted to focus on changelings, but that broadened to just being you know paranormal child abduction in general. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, in terms of there being, there is not. So I, I I try to write my books to be multiple things for multiple people. So for example, the Trojan Feast, I try to write a Trojan Feast so that it could be your first paranormal book or your hundred and first paranormal book. Either way, you're going to get something out of it, and I'm not going to talk above the newbies, and I'm not going to trod the same old ground for people who've been, you know, reading these things for a long time. And with this, I really wanted this to be not only something for people who are interested in UFOs, but also something for people who are interested in having a reference for, um, changing phenomena in general, because there is not really a one-stop shop for this aspect of fairy phenomena. There's one book, uh, called, uh, Der which I believe there are literally like maybe just a handful of copies in circulation still, and it's only available in in German. So, um, uh, so I, I decided that if if nothing else, this would be one of the most, not the most, but one of the most comprehensive collections of changeling lore and uh, and uh, sort of the uh, the charms by which you could prevent. Uh, child abduction, I, I really wanted this to be sort of a one-stop shop for people who are interested in fairy folklore as well. In fact, if, if if it's more popular among fairy folklorists than UFO people, I'll probably be happier.
0: You can see that it's there, but I don't take it as a UFO book. I take it as a fairy folklore book. But it's one of those things where you kind of scratch your head and go, oh, yeah, because I've – shit, I think Lobo and I have many times made reference on the show about how a lot of these things mirror UFO abductions and stuff. I've often wondered, Mm -hmm. um, like in a hundred years, they're going to look back, someone else is going to be doing your job and they're going to look back and look at the extraterrestrial uh, gray alien abductions and all of these things and go, yeah, that's where the folklore evolved. That's where it went from Mm -hmm. elves and trolls and goblins to a different, you know, whatever the technology was at the time. So I wonder if this phenomenon is going to evolve as the time evolves and whatever the thing is at the time, that's what the folklore is going to be. or The phenomenon is going to Mm -hmm. be.
1: Yeah, I, I can see in a hundred years um, uh, people saying – if if they're still clinging to this dopey materialist line of thought and haven't really embraced the magical you know, renaissance that we're talking about, I can see people in a hundred years saying, wow, wasn't it quaint that they thought that they were aliens and wasn't it quaint that they thought that we, they were fairies? We all know that this is rogue AI doing this. <laughs>
0: you know, it's It's just going to evolve well, for the – yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it'll be It'll be rogue AI. Rogue AI was the phenomena. <laughs> yeah, they didn't exactly. realize they were dealing with it.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I, I would go a step further than what you even suggested. I mean, I, this is sort of a, a bold claim, but I, I really. Um, Want to put my money where my mouth is on this. Um, I contend that if there is any persistent recurring motif in the alien abduction experience, not necessarily the UFO experience, but the alien abduction sp- experience specifically, any recurring motif from that sort of narrative will have an analog in fairy lore. Um, is it going to be apparent? Maybe. Is it going to be presented as is, or is it going to be an inversion? Who knows? But there is going to be some sort of analog. The thing that really tipped me over um, I and mean, I just authored a blog post about this, you know, that's another part of you know, sort of the reason for the genesis of this book is that I was big into fa- the fairy fate thing, and there were some you know, people who compared changelings to alien hybrids, et cetera, et cetera. But there are some aspects of that alien hybrid narrative that I just couldn't reconcile with with the uh, the fairy narrative, and that was a that was a big for this book. So it was that was one of the things that for the longest time I I thought I could not. Um, I couldn't really find an analog for, and I think this book was sort of me working my way through that. And the other thing was, um, you know, alien implants. And I had a blog post a couple of, uh, couple of weeks back about, uh, about the fact that there is a very real tradition of fairies, you know, uh, giving people this fairy blast if they're offended or if they've had a run of the fairies and the fairies send a big, gust of wind towards you, you know, blast, blustery, blister, these are all sort of the same words, and it would manifest in a, in a blister or a tumor or a boil on their skin that it, when it was lanced would actually present all sorts of material, oftentimes, you know, minerals, rocks, ceramic bits and stuff. And when I saw that, I'm like, okay, yep, this is, okay, close the book. Everybody go home now. This is the same thing because that's a direct analog for, you know, the alien, alien implant uh, idea that you see trotted uh, trotter around, rather, in a lot of ufology.
0: Hmm. You make a reference in this book. There is there's one thing that stuck out to me. Well, first, I got to ask you one thing right off the bat, because I've always wanted to ask you this question. I know that you are a spiritual person. The name Thieves in the Night. Was that a kind of a biblical reference or this um, made sense to call it that?
1: It just sort of made sense to call it that. I mean, you know, that was that was, <clears throat> you know, that was definitely in my lexicon, Um you know, growing up as a Christian, but it just really just came to me and uh, it uh, it just it just stuck. And I remember, you know, writing Patrick Leach, my publisher, and saying, How about this for a title? It was like, Yeah, maybe we'll see, yeah. And then it just never went away. So <laughs> it's the hmm. first time, you know, my exchange with Patrick has gone that way.
0: You make reference in the book that uh, like children with aut- autism and various other ailments are referred to the term touched. And that the uh, where the root of that comes from is that in belief that they've been touched by another spirit or something otherworldly, which has changed them significantly. Can you explain that a little bit here or talk about that? Yeah. So so in case anyone
1: is um, anyone is wondering what that has to do with um, has to do with alien abduction, uh, it becomes tragically apparent as you look at sort of the changeling literature that at least some of these are. Describing At least some of these cases are describing children who had developmental disabilities. Um, and so the idea of being touched is tied very closely into the concept of theophany, which is a fancy way of saying behold the divine. Um, beholding the divine. So the idea that um, if you look at, for example, uh, people who in ancient myths were, were to behold some of the gods, things typically did not go well for them unless they were of really strong mental fortitude. I mean, numerous references in, in the Bible of um, God saying, "You can't look at me because no man can see me," and you know, walk out alive. You know, you can't hear me. You can't actually hear my voice. You have to hear the voice of an intercessing angel or something along those lines. In Greek myth, um, someone saw Zeus and died. In the Bhagavad Gita, um, even though he didn't die, Krishna beheld the true form of Arjuna. Uh, that was it was so cosmically sort of Lovecraftian terrifying that uh, he actually begged Arjuna to take the form of his his avatar instead, instead of his true form. So you see this idea time and again of of beholding the divine really driving you mad. I think that there is. This is an idea pilfered from Gordon White, but um, I think that there's probably some analog to that and the number of people who are UFO chasers who find uh, an end before their time in terms of uh, coming down with rare forms of cancer and the like – Perhaps, I mean, I I think that a lot of these are man made, but, you know, I I would even argue that perhaps some of the untimely deaths of conspiracy theories are not sort of motivically tied into that same idea. Um, But if you didn't die from beholding the divine, you might walk out just with, you know, some sort of reduced mental capacity, or, you know, you, you would, you know, basically three categories of people the people who were strong enough to see this and gain some sort of divine revelation, the people who, um, were strong enough to survive it, but walked away, you know, changed or diminished in terms of their you know, cognitive capacity and then the people who died. And I kind of wonder sometimes, and I pause it towards the end of the book, that if, you know, maybe perhaps this isn't also tied into the missing 411 sort of thing, that we're not all seeing sort of the effects of this theophany on witnesses, Uh, you know, not saying that, not saying that whatever... These ETs are – or fairy folk are our god but still saying it's the same idea. I mean if you really want to be reductive about it and, and you know, plug it into your materials framework again, maybe something about beholding something from another dimension doesn't sit well with us. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. It's
0: funny you um, should say that but, uh, because like every t- – time, like Lobo – well, I'm going to bring Lobo in here. Lobo, you've had a couple of experiences – then i remember me and you have both many times had conversations about when somebody has a genuine experience you do kind of walk away from it a little bit changed in some way or another it doesn't completely little, little. leave you so i mean did what, what was what was the one that happened to you that you that oh god i can't remember it now i'm not going to bring up the one i know i'm, I'm not going to bring up the the bird one but cuz I give you crap about that one but that one was Yeah, a lot the, of
2: people do now. Thanks.
0: Well, no, it was <laughs> <laughs> Well, we can talk about it if you want to. It was just an odd no, spirit fine. animal for you to, you had an experience with a, a talking toucan um of some kind and it was a long time ago. So, anytime somebody has an experience a genuine profound strange experience, you do walk away from it in some way or another going what the hell just happened to me? Whether on, on some level you're changed from it because you've had an You encounter. are. You're
2: always changed from it. Yeah. You can't s- go back to the way things work.
0: I always tell Ever. people that uh, ignorance is bliss. You know, I like There's a, a skeptic that both me, all three of us know of. He's a friend of mine. And uh, I think it was him or somebody else. It was me, him, and somebody else. We were all having dinner somewhere or we we're talking. And one person in the group was like, I really want to have an experience like this. And I said, well, you, you probably can't because you're not invited to the party. And that made them kind of angry. But the other thing I was like, you don't you don't want to have an experience like this. You genuinely don't, especially if you're coming from the far left field or right field of skepticism, because you're either not going to believe it's happening to you, or you're going to force yourself to reason that it didn't happen to you, or it'll make you walk away questioning everything you value. It's kind of like a Christian being proven unequivocally, without a doubt that God does not exist. How would that affect you? You know, and it's like... You really don't want to have something like this happen to you. You just don't. I, I don't think something. You know, I, I don't think it's as, as, as cracked up as great as everybody thinks it's out it to be. So, you know, it's one of those things where you know it just warps you <laughs> if you're not ready yeah, for I mean, it. You know,
1: someone that I've grown to admire quite a great deal is uh, is Jeff Ritzman, uh, who has has made it abundantly clear that there is, there there is a formula that 60% of the time it works every time in terms of, in terms of, in terms of getting this stuff to, uh, to interact with you. Um, but if you are at all, um, comfortable or you, you enjoy any sort of aspects of your life that are, uh, true. I say traditional, but you'll take my meaning, yeah. um, that are, you know, conventional, yeah, conventional, um, yeah, conventional. Yeah. uh, yeah. then you should be ready to lay those at the altar of the other. And, and that's as terrifying idea that I just, you know, I, I would, I would love to have more experiences myself, but I don't want my house to burn down or to suddenly, you know, be faced with a divorce or any number of these things, you know? Um, it's mm. probably a good I, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I should hope so. I should hope so. Um, but, you know, I, in terms of sort of the sort of uh, what people come out of on the other side of these experiences, um, it's an idea that, uh, you know, Red Pill Junkie sort of uh, put out there and I think is a really, really good idea. And I've sort of played with it some my, myself, but like you look at these experiences and they really are the coincidentia positorum. They are, you know know, this, this union of opposites, you have your rational life where 90% of the stuff that you do is explainable and, you know, materialistic and, and you're you're faced with something that is not explainable, sometimes profoundly so. And at the, at the end of that, if this sort of personal alchemy actually takes root, um, if it works right, you might very well wind up, uh, you know, you might very well wind up having that philosopher's stone, which is, you know, this renewed spiritual insight, this sort of knowledge that, uh, that the world works in a much stranger way than we, than we realize.
0: Yeah, I've gotten there, but it hasn't done anything for me. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah. it has. Like I struggle, I, I don't struggle real much. I make it sound worse than it is, but I make it a point to keep you know, I've got the one life and I've got the other life and this life doesn't mingle with the other life very much. It does. I've made friends out of this. I've made some really cool friends out of it. Um, and in some situations I've had this life cross over into that life and that gets a little uncomfortable with me at times. I've had conversations about people with people that things that have happened to me that later I regret having because it was so odd and so strange. Um, I don't know, Lobo. Do you run into this stuff? I've never see me and him don't talk about this a lot. So
2: Uh, the the no, because what you see is what you get. There's no there's no separation. There never has been. There never will be.
0: Yeah, but you're like me. You're married. You've got kids. You've got your normal life. You got to get up and go to work every day. But at the same time, it's like I I don't want to think about that other stuff. Why you know I I don't want to. I don't want to think about my experiences and the things that are have that weird go on in my life while I'm at work. You know, it doesn't like, pay my bills. It's just you know, it doesn't
2: pay my bills. But for me to separate it from my normal life is doing not only myself a disservice, but it's also ign- ignoring what's happened.
0: Yeah. But are you afraid of the backlash? No. And you're, that's a bad question no. to ask you. You don't give a shit. <laughs> no,
2: there's no backlash.
0: Yeah. See, there's only backlash
2: me. if you if you present yourself in two separate ways and then someone straddles that line, yeah, there's going to be backlash because you're living two separate lives. I can't afford to do that. I did that when I was a Jehovah's Witness. I can't afford to do that. I guess I do.
0: I don't know, maybe... Yeah, you, you I just gotta, thing You, you The just I just say, say sit, is going
1: to bite me in the ass anywhere. You've just got to sit with the messiness of it, you know? That's
0: it. Grant,
2: i got to wallow in my own shit,
1: is what you're saying.
2: Well, you've got to realize, too, <laughs> that I'm, I come from... We've we've spoken about this before on numerous occasions. You're from the survivor aspect of drug addiction. I lived the drug addiction. So I can't afford to live in two separate worlds because during drug addiction I was two separate worlds.
0: Yeah, but I what the world pulled you that out that I
2: allowed of it. people to see? Yeah, but you can't
0: Well, it's half different half for you, you because goes, half of what you experience helped to pull you out of that though.
2: Yeah, but again, I can't I can't differentiate between the two. They say it in the rooms: half measures avail us nothing. Either I'm in it all the way or I'm not. And if I'm not, then I'm 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 lying to myself. Why well, do expect this conversation to make be a okay. turn? <laughs> I I just can't I can't expect other people to live by my yardstick. But I know what works for me. If I can't be true to myself, then I'm going to be lying to everyone.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah, I can't do it. I guess that's why I created this persona, or I guess what created what I do to. To meet those toll to make to make them meet in some way, maybe. I don't know. Am I weird? <laughs> no, it's not weird. It's it's
2: it's very normal for people to do that. The the outset is people that don't do that. We're the outlier. We're the ones that I mean, I, I'll walk into my shop and be like, Yeah, I saw something last night, don't know what it is, and if someone looks at me weird, I'm like, fuck you. I don't give a shit. That's what I saw. You don't like it, too bad. I also speak my my spiritual views to people if they don't like it. But again, I don't give anybody my opinion unless they've asked for it,
0: and I make it perfectly clear. Josh, you haven't really experienced anything crazy though, other than you know a couple of weird things that happened when you were overseas, no?
1: Oh no, that's not true. Oh, okay. Um,
0: it's 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 been a it's been a minute
1: since I've had odd stuff happen. But you know, I, I grew up and my parents were um adding, making additions to our house, and we would find stacks of quarters in odd. places places, behind dictionaries that hadn't been pulled down in, in years, or, you know, um, uh, behind a table or something, just these stacks of quarters that were just, just sort of manifest. Um, that's it's uh, so- well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's actually uh, one of, the, not only is it sort of poltergeisty, but it's also, you know, the term pennies from heaven, actually, that's, that's what that, I didn't realize it, but that's actually one of the origins, supposedly, of that term, is this idea of these coins that are just sort of Perhaps a port, or perhaps folk things. Um, I'm pretty certain that I saw a Civil War ghost um, at Stonewall Jackson's house. Um, I had a girlfriend who took me to Waverly Hills Sanitarium. Uh, sanatorium, <laughs> sanatorium, sanitarium. Sanitarium. Potato, sanitarium. Potato, potato. Um, um uh. So I mean yeah those are those are the most profound things in addition to just little little quirks here and there but those those are the things that were really profound I've just been thinking that you know it's actually i'm a bit overdue for that um you know i'm I'm a bit overdue for something anomalous to happen and I really kind of you know without without bringing the hammer down on me i really uh I really kind of want to to <laughs> i want to Look over the cliff. I don't want to jump off the cliff, but I, I kind of, I kind of have a temptation to get close to the cliffside again, uh, because it's been so long.
0: Was that the bug that got you into all this stuff?
1: Um, no, no. I mean, I was, I mean, the, the the thing that got me into all this stuff was just being a monster kid. You know, it was it was being you know, being shown my first movie, the nineteen thirty three version of King Kong. You know, and then yeah going down the path of, you know, Valley of Guanji and all those great old, you know, stop motion Ray Harryhausen films and all the, you know, and then as I got older, sort of the uh, alien franchise and the Predator franchise and basically anything, the creature or a monster, I was, you know, I was all over it. Um, so that was sort of really my gateway, you know, uh, into being interested in this stuff. And it, really, it was sort of a latent thing that didn't really take hold until, gosh, it's hard to believe Three years ago, you know <laughs> that's you know I I I hadn't read <laughs> I, you know I'd read some general some general books on the unexplained, but in terms of actually like thinking about UFOs in any sort of in depth way, you know, besides just you know saying well the ETH doesn't make sense, so it can't be the ETH. That was that was the extent of my thinking for the longest time, and, until three years ago, and that's when I actually started. You know, my my gateway drug really was mysterious mysterious universe, listening to it on a on a on a work trip and uh sort of going down that rabbit hole
0: yeah they they got their they th- them and a few other shows are what got me where i'm at today
1: a bite. yeah and you know it's and you know and, and tastes change and whatnot but they they really are responsible for this this weird Renaissance slash phase in my life because you know i again i i had a couple of bigfoot books here and there but i wasn't you know, I could have told. Did you watch In Search of When You Were a Kid? I, no, I mean, like I watched a couple of episodes of you know Unsolved Mysteries here and there whenever they were about something anomalous. I was a Sasquatch kid. You know, I had bought uh, you know Jeff Meldrum's uh, Sasquatch Legend Meets Science um, <clears throat> and a couple of you know books on generalized books on the unexplained here and there, but I, I never really did a deep dive. Like oh three my God, years, I had so many. three, three and a half years ago, I couldn't have told you who Jacques Fillet was. You know, I couldn't have told you told you who Jalen Hynek was. I just, you know, it was just not.
0: Oh, He's not in my
1: wheelhouse. So was kind of...
0: Yeah. 16 years old, 17 years old. I had every book from Heineck I could find. I remember when um, Communion came out, I, I remember I was like, I got to get this book because of the cover. I, I was like, boom, I got to read this. And I, I think that was... I read that one cover to cover. I've, I've fallen out with him and his ideas since then, of course. But it was an interest. The first book, Contact, was... A, was it Contact? It was Communion. Communion was an interesting read. Yeah, You know, any... Any books on, and stuff like that that I could get when I was that age, it was much harder back then. They weren't, it wasn't as big as it is now. So I had to right. read really like take all of the classics and stuff like that. I was voracious with that stuff. But at the same time, nobody did this. And I didn't want to be known as the freak that studied this stuff, you know? See, so
2: try being a Jehovah's Witness.
0: Oh my God.
2: <laughs> you so have, you have no idea. Christmas, Easter, any of the holidays, Flag Day, any of them. Guess where this little guy was? In the library because I wasn't allowed to do shit. You know have any books I had my librarian get into the library for me to read yeah, alone you're, all by
0: myself? You're an interestingly odd anomaly because you've also got the magic background behind you, but you also come from the Jehovah's Witness. Like you've got Santeria in your family and everything. You are you are this weird, bizarre Heinz 57 stew of strangeness within itself. Like yep. you're a direct dichotomy because you should not know the amount of magical stuff that you do and the stuff about practicing coming from a Jehovah's Witness background oh, coupled shouldn't. with the fact of paranormal stuff So let me ask you this because I've never recall ever ask, asking you this when you were a, a Jehovah's Witness and you were younger Were you into the quote-unquote paranormal as well and just kept it yep. quiet? Yep So how did is that how you pulled it off just sneaking into the library and because this stuff you for betcha, you
2: was... If I was going to be in the library because I couldn't I couldn't have a cupcake for somebody's birthday or, you know, whatever was going on I had to be, you know, ostracized from, I would read everything that was at the library. And then when I got older, I would go to the public library. And at the public library, you can literally have books brought in from all over the state when you're good with the people that are there. So... I spent a lot of time in the books that I was required to read, i.e. the Bible and other uh, material that the Jehovah's Witnesses had. And then I would have my own stash of books that I took out or I was allowed to go into the research centers of the library because I was the smart kid that no one expected. So I got in really good, really close with a lot of the librarians.
0: So so how the hell did you manage to... With, with the experiences you had, mm-hmm. who did you talk to about him then? Because you didn't no go to your family. You would have been of the no devil.
2: I told my father that I'd seen stuff and he told me that I was crazy. I had my mother pray over me. I had my grandmother pray over me, my mother's mother. I had elders from the church pray over me to help save me from you know, the wicked thoughts that I was having. But I was smart enough to know at an early age that you stop telling people what you see and you only gravitate towards people that understand you. And you can see them from a mile away and those are the people that you talk to. Well, so I don't to talk sound to the least quietly. bit resentful. <laughs> I'm an angry little, little Puerto Rican. What do you want from me? <laughs> Hi there, I'm Logan. And I'm Lindsay. And we host the new podcast, Folklore on the Rocks, where we talk about folklore and lesser known creatures, cryptids, and monsters from around the world.
1: When we say lesser known, we mainly mean that we won't be covering creatures like Bigfoot or Nessie or Chupacabra just because they're discussed so often, and the world just has so many other awesome options to draw from.
2: Every two weeks, we'll be diving deep into the legends and culture that surround a specific creature, and getting a bit tipsy as we do so. But don't worry, we
1: do our research sober. (laughs) On the weeks in between, we'll be narrating and discussing folktales. So some will be historical folklore from the regions that our creatures are from, and some will be more like modern folklore, like no sleeps and creepypastas.
2: You can find out more about us on our website, folkloreontherocks.com, on Facebook and Instagram, at Folklore on the Rocks, and Twitter at, at Folklore Rocks! So come on, grab a drink, join us, and let's dig deep together.
0: Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. All right, so... um I guess this would be a good point to jump into a topic that I've been dying to talk about with somebody. I tried talking about it with Timothy Renner, and he was like, no, 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 no. You need to have Josh on the show to talk about it. And that is the whole thing with uh, iron and fairy folklore. Um, I don't know really where to start with it because there's so many topics to go off of, and like the the importance of ironsmiths and all of those things. I guess I want to start with uh, what is cold iron because you read in all of the fairy tales that fairies can't touch cold iron or if they're in contact with iron um, it burns them or it's harmful to them or it's it has like a radioactive effect on fairies I believe um, <laughs>
1: yeah that's probably a pretty good way to put it
0: so what um actually I'm stealing that directly from Jim Butcher to be honest with you from the Dresden files but uh what is what is cold iron and what is the significance of iron in fairy folklore?
1: Well, cold iron, and that's actually a term that you don't – in a lot of the fairy ethnographies, you don't see the term cold iron popping up often. But, you know, cold iron is supposedly – iron specifically worked by a human blacksmith as opposed to, you know, raw, unrefined ore. Um, There is probably um, an entire book to be written on uh, the importance of iron in – folklore and, and just sort of as a, as a means of warding off the supernatural. I mean, and this is not just a Western Europe thing. This is something that you see in India. This is something that you see in China, for example. It was uh, advised that you could, you know, nail iron nails into trees around an area where you wanted to keep, you know, evil spirits away. Um, <clears throat> in, terms of, in terms of why cold iron more than, you know, more than just raw ore iron, I think that probably has something to do with this... Uh, this idea of as you mentioned and alluded to the the blacksmith as sort of a very powerful spiritual figure um in uh in 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 sort of folklore uh, as to the reasons for that specifically, I think it probably has a lot more to do with you know the the sort of what iron represents right so iron represents um iron represents. Mankind's ability to bend nature to its will—I mean, it's almost Promethean in a sense that it seems to be almost sort of a, a trickster-derived technology. Um, it's something that has is comes from comes from the earth, but we have uh, fashioned implements out of it that allow us to literally change our very reality. I mean, it was I believe it was Pliny the Elder who said that most of uh, most of you know the The way most of society is built, you know, at the time, um, most of society was built on the, just by by merit of the fact that we have iron, 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 uh, tools. Um, uh, there are some people who are very, there's some people who, who still trot out this, this idea that's largely, uh, uh, that's largely rejected by folklorists now, but it's 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 an idea with some legs, and I think that there's some, some something to it. This idea that uh, fairy folk are pictish, uh, you know, memories. They're they're memories of of uh, basically indigenous people. So you know, wherever yeah, you have, yeah, well, yeah, 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 the Picts. but also if you look in Scandinavia, I mean, the Laps as well. I mean, it, basically any indigenous people that were that were sort of forced out by you know conquering another conquering group. And, and, and and this idea, you know, is really quite parsimonious in a lot of senses. I mean, these races were, would have been typically, you know, shorter. Um, they would have been much more associated with the the earth than a lot of the advancements that the Roman empire had, you know, had, had, was associated with, um, you know, this this idea that perhaps, uh, you know where the changing motif comes from is from these people who find their races dying out uh actually wanting to you know sub- supplant their their own race with the the invaders babies
0: you know um but you know another you thing nothing at really all in common with uh ufology folklore oh in no all? of course not, not a bit of
1: course nope. not okay. um but uh but um you know an- another compelling facet of this is that these people would have been they they would live in fear of the implements that their invading forces actually you know wielded. Um, so there, I think there there's something to that as well. Um, you know, iron. You know, iron comes it's it, it in the in the form of meteors. You know, meteoric iron is actually you know yields some of the strongest uh, some of the strongest uh, iron implements as well. So the idea that this is something that's sort of coming from the heavens as well, I think would have made a lot of people believe that there was some sort of uh power uh to to iron in general um and of course this gets taken to an extreme uh circumstance and fairy lore where it wasn't you know i mean of course blades of any type were you know efficacious in terms of warding off faithful for a number of reasons that we can go to <laughs> go into later if we want to um but uh the idea became that anything made of iron just doesn't matter. It could be a key. It could be, you know, a uh, could be a, it could be a key. It could be a rusty nail. Whatever it is, uh, just just by nature, the fact that it is a piece of iron would have actually ward off uh, the fairy folk in any any way, shape, or form. So it sort of got taken to its extreme. Uh, its extreme uh, that sort of extreme expression of that belief.
0: Is that where the legend of putting a horseshoe over your house? Because it's, it's traditionally known as common people always put a horseshoe on your house that brings you good luck. But I that I know of it goes back further than that.
1: Yeah, I mean, so uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, the, the 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 importance of the horseshoe is not um, is not because it is a horseshoe. It's rather the fact that it's that it's the iron in the horseshoe. I mean, it was you know, and you'll find this sort of belief. The idea that uh, if, you, if you have it placed over a doorway, that would prevent some sort of evil spirit of coming in. And you also see, you know, um, iron being used as a means to remove curses. I mean, in France, it was once believed that if you took a cow heart and put some iron nails into the cow heart and then put the cow heart onto the beam of your home, uh, that would actually sort of uh, repel any sort of curses that you had, that had had befallen you.
2: Now, it's strange. It's strange because I know personally, uh, pins and iron nails are used as binder, binders and curses.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it, it, it's um, it's like a multi-purpose I mean, tool. Well, I mean, <laughs> l- l- like cures like kind of is, is, is yeah. sort yep. of my, my, my initial sort of knee-jerk reaction to that. It gets confusing because, you know, at the same time, we keep on talking about how much the faithful dislike iron and you'll find tons of you know references to this. There's a story, there's a folklore story that says the, the fairies came to take a child and they actually perceived a giant beam laid across the child's chest, and it was just an iron pin affixing, you know, uh, holding the, the child's <laughs> the child's clothing together. So fairies are terrified of iron, but at the same time, you'll find no shortage of other faithful, uh, especially dwarves, but, you know, other faithful, just who aren't specifically dwarves, um, being skilled metallurgists yeah. and working iron forges too. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of that sort of dissonance other than the fact, that fairy lore is nothing if not inconsistent in a lot of ways i mean like a lot of the broad strokes are are very are very um are very obvious but uh or or very are very consistent rather but some of these little pernicious things you know yeah
2: yeah but it would make sense it would make it would make sense for for if it would make sense for them to be frightful of Iron that was worked by human hands as opposed to iron that had been worked by their own like, you know, or their own kind.
1: Right, which is where I think the cold iron thing, I think that's sort of a means of of explaining that. I mean, so so in terms of references to cold iron, besides what I've heard Tim talk about it, um, (laughs) you'll find I found a passing reference, I believe, on the Beachcombing uh, Bizarre History blog. But it was very apparent that he was of the opinion. And again, forgive me. Doctor Beachcombing, if, if I'm misquoting you, but he, he was of the opinion that it was more or less sort of a uh, a, a fictitious sort of fabrication. Specifically, Kipling. I mean, Kipling mm-hmm. was the one who um, who talked about cold iron relationship to uh, to the free folk uh, in some of his writing. So, um, yeah, you know, who knows? I think that w- that would make more sense to me. Some people have perceived the fact that you know, if the fairies represent everything if the fairies represent basically the Stone Age, then anything of the Iron Age, anything that represents that sort of technological advancement, um, would be perceived as a threat to them, and that's part of the reason that this aversion arose.
0: That makes sense. And by the way, if you're yeah. out there, Dr. Beachcombing, we would love to interview you, if you're out there. I'm just saying. I know you're not. He's
1: never going to talk to us. But if you're out there... <laughs> oh,
0: God, I would love to and talk to
1: know, that guy. Yeah, I... have I've talked to him at length. I mean, he had email correspondence at length, and he is—I uh, mean, he's one of—he's one of the—he's one of the most uh, prolific and perceptive and um, uh, well-read fairy scholars that are—that is—that's out there. He's—he's he's fantastic.
0: There's a story that I believe Tim talked about where a—I um, <clears throat> believe it was the devil went into a blacksmith and tried to have something made. And the devil saw that. I mean, the blacksmith saw that the woman had hoof feet or something like that and made a horseshoe and nailed it onto the bottom of her hoof. I know I'm probably butchering this story. And, uh, that was one of the reasons why horseshoes are over the house because he made a deal with the devil saying any, any person that has a horseshoe over their house, you can't, you can't bother them or something along those lines. No. Am I making sense? No.
1: Um, I haven't heard that specific one. Again, I think I've always heard that the efficacy of, of a horseshoe is because it's just something that's on hand and is iron. But yeah. it's interesting that you mention that because I think that I think you can certainly see some parallels between a story like that and you know these these ideas that there were certain that uh, you know the spirit Lilith, you know the sort of the, the grandmother of all <laughs> paranormal child abduction, um, actually made deals. <clears throat> With the forces of good, that if her name was spoken, or specifically her name was on an amulet somewhere near the, the uh, near the child's bed, that that she would flee. So I think there's, motivically mo- that sounds like it's expressing the same sort of idea.
0: You mentioned her in your book somewhere. It was Scotland's yellow. I want to say matriarch, but that's not what it is. <laughs> yeah, is... <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I can. <laughs> I don't even know if mu- I can say mu- mu- mm- yeah, ah. yeah, muter teach. Yeah, muter. Yes, yellow muter teach. And it was uh she's, you actually you touched you know, on witchcraft in here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's a she's a, oh she's a she's a hag. She oh. likes to eat the babies.
1: Wow. <laughs> Gets in my belly. Yeah, the nineties just called they want their they want their comedy back. It's <laughs> hilarious. Um, that was a Scot-
0: Scottish legend?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A uh, Scottish yellow yellow the yellow M. We're just gonna call her yellow M. Um yeah I mean it's so it's it, it's a bit difficult because every time you have I mean you fairies and witches constantly conflate and mix and match um uh you know they they constantly mix mix and match in terms of what they are attributed anything attributed to one will eventually in some shape be attributed to the other. Um, So naturally, you know, in the the course of writing this book, I had to talk about witches a little bit, and she was a, uh, a, um, a witch who bears some similarities in, in, in terms of, you know, Lilith as well. And Lilith is regarded among many to have been, you know, one of the mothers of many demons and indeed in some certain Scandinavian traditions to be one of the mothers of the Hulda folk of the, the hidden folk of the fairy folk. Um, and similarly this, this yellow yeah it's interesting uh there there are um it was, the idea was that uh my <laughs> if memory serves um, there was this idea that uh, that she was trying to hide the children from God, and God said, well if you're going to hide them from me, they 'll be hidden forever I think that's roughly i, I don't you know I don't I'm not referencing it right now, but if memory serves, that was sort of a the, uh, the, the legend attributed to that but um similarly you know this yellow this yellow witch from Scotland um, was attributed having a race of uh, of giants as her children um, and they like their mother and like the d- demons and Lilith um, really enjoyed kidnapping babies now whereas Lilith you know um, was described in a number of of uh, was described in a number of motives this yellow which and her giant children generally just preferred to eat the children, uh, which is you know well, like you inter- well and that's that's something that you don't see you know you see um, the, the fairy folk motivations for for uh for abducting children are pretty varied, but generally. The short reason is to, is to say that they're, they tie into breeding stock. And again, if I'm being too abbreviative for anyone, uh, go out and either buy my book or listen to the thousand other interviews.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why is book that on, the
1: thousand other interviews that I have given on it? Um, uh, but um, uh, so they're, they're, the various motive, uh, motives, rather, are generally attributed to you know increasing their breeding stock in some form or fashion. That's sort of a, a little bit. Of a, of a generalization, but you can say that with some certainty. Um, you don't find that motif of fairies taking children to eat them um, in fairy lore, with the exception of you know uh, trolls and giants, which can sort of be classified under that fairy umbrella, but are, are distinctly different in sense.
0: Well, you do find in Asian folklore though, like Asian Asian fairy folklore is it's kind of its own weird separate thing it's like the redheaded stepchild of the fairy folklore Well, yeah and
1: you know I mean this is this is part of the thing that gets really confusing too is I I never really know where to draw the line between you know Asian fairy folklore and you know yokai and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um in in a similar way to the fact that and this really ties in with a lot of the way that I perceive the paranormal as a whole right now um uh very similar to the way that you um see a real conflation uh between fairies and the dead in uh in western europe as well um and i think that that's that is a that is a point that cannot be it it gets overlooked far too long that's for sure how far have you dug into that um Part of me is part of me is saving. I mean, so <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I'll, 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 a good great deal deeper than people who uh, who think that fairies live at the bottom of the garden, you know, <laughs> exclusively. Um, uh, uh, Claude Lecouteau is a is a uh, folklorist who's done a lot of really good work talking about these ideas. Um, Yates regularly talked about people who would. Uh, see at fairy forts that everyone who had died in their village was gathered at the fairy fort. Uh, you know, inevitably in a lot of these tables where somebody's being offered food at a fairy party, uh, they'll actually see someone who was a neighbor who died a couple of years back. Um, you know, that's part of the reason that we use the, the euphemism, you know, so-and-so was taken from us, you know, when mm. someone has passed away is because there's this real conflation between illness, mental illness, death, and, you know, fairy abduction. Um But I mean that's the reason that even though this idea that – even though this idea that fairies represent some sort of relict ancestral memory of indigenous people has been sort of pushed to the margins of ethnology, I think it might actually be on to a very – it might be quite close to an objective truth of these things, if, if if such a thing exists. In other words, I mean, if there's if fairies regularly consort with the dead to the point that fairies sometimes are one, one and the same with the dead, then it would make sense that the you know, the collective slaughtered indigenous people of an area would be among the fairies. So it can be, I think it can possibly be one and the same. Um, we, you know, setting aside the idea that if if you look at this, you know, some people who die become the fairies and. Uh, some people just some people who die hang out with the fairies. I think there's also sort of a possibility of the fairies themselves being something more akin to psychopomps that you see in shamanic cultures as well.
0: This is where some of the areas of like poltergeist phenomena cross over with one another. You also see things with like fairy uh, fairy forts and ley lines, and you also see things in the realm of 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 spiritual investigation where hey, there's a ley line that runs through here, and that might be why you're having spiritual phenomena, uh, running water is another commonality that you've seen between Fairy Folklore many times. Um, And nobody touches that. Yeah, and and Blessed Virgin Mary. I mean,
1: So um, this is something that we talked about possibly talking about, and I don't want anybody to go away from this and think this is what I think is happening. But right now, it's kind of the most, it's the cleanest approach to explaining a lot of these things that I've found. Um, So if... Fairies have a close association with the dead, as is evident in literature, and fairy lore seems to describe the alien abduction experience. That should lead us to some assumptions about what the alien abduction experience is, I think, especially if you look at a lot of the pageantry of the abduction experience. I mean, you've got a bright light, levitation, sometimes dead loved ones are seen in these abduction experiences as well. Um... I think that's I think that's an, that's some important stuff. I mean, you look at you know what Ann Strieber said to Whitley before uh, she passed away. Whitley, this has something to do with death. You look at the things that people experience after having these experiences: fairy abduction, alien abduction, and near-death experiences, and shamanism. They all come to the brink of this. They're all touched by the other world and come out with. Spiritual insight and plenty of stories of people who were taken away uh, by the fairies and returned to the real world and became priests or you know became uh, healers or something you know so and, and these are the same sort of exact same narratives that you see in a lot not all but a lot of these in abduction experiences and then if you look at that and you and you um, you extrapolate further like well then what do we what do we make of the fact that sometimes you know Bigfoot's seen with UFOs. <laughs>
0: Are you no, going saying, into the Josh paranormal theory of everything? Yeah,
1: this mean, so, so, so this is it's an idea that I'm playing with because I mean, like, I, I I kind of wonder if everything isn't just one giant ass ghost story at this point. You know, I mean, that's certainly the 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 road that I'm that, that's an avenue that I'm really interested in exploring right now because I think it's. <clears throat> I think it would go a long way to explain a lot. It would go a long way to explain I mean, so we've already talked about you know the the dead fairy alien connection we've setting that aside you know the other thing that I, that is a real um you know question mark for me is is you know is the sasquatch phenomena and uh you know there's a lot of weird stuff about sasquatch a lot of really weird stuff about Sasquatch that I think would be answered if if you see it through this sort of quasi um ghost, ghost story lens you
0: know. Do the do the fairy fo- do the fairy Sasquatch thing then? Go in that direction. Give me some oh, examples. well, I mean,
1: so, uh, um, <clears throat> yeah. So it's it's not as strong a connection as is but can be found between the abduction experience and 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 the, and the fairy lore, but it's significant enough that it needs to be addressed. I mean, if you look at uh, well, uh, let's just let's let's start broad and get more specific. Um, Both fairies and Sasquatch have been speculated to live underground. Um, Both are associated with anomalous lights. That's something that's coming out more and more in a lot of Sasquatch lore. You'll find people who even think that Sasquatch is just a relic common, but we'll say, but there are also these strange lights in the area. So that's another similarity. Um, Both have been accused of mutilating livestock through history. Both have food taboos, as I outlined in a Trojan feast. There's some similarity between the smell of uh some fairy smells and some sasquatch smells. Um you know, both if if a uh, horse's mane was tangled in the morning in Brittany, it would be said that the that the uh the fairies came along in the middle of the night and braided the horse's mane. And if that same phenomena happens stateside, and then a Sasquatch researcher hears about it in an area where there's Sasquatch, they'll say, well, horses like to steal into barns and braid horses' manes. This is actually something that people have accused. Both mm-hmm. tend to steal – both have been known to steal milk. I mean there are a couple of stories that uh, I believe I talked about in the Trojan Feast where Sasquatch was found in a barn suckling at a cow's teat. Well, if a cow didn't give milk, uh, it was said that you know, the fairies were siphoning it away. Um, if you look at sort of the ability to incapacitate at a distance, you know, you see that a Commonly in the UFO literature, where the you know the aliens will point a wand at someone and they won't be able to move, but that's what L-Shot was. was mm-hmm. the idea that you know, that uh, these these tiny little arrowheads were flung by the fairies to hit you. Well, modern cryptozoologists claim that uh, Bigfoot has infrasound. Um, there's some there's some comparisons as you mentioned with with water. I mean, it seems as though uh, Bigfoot sightings tend to map on to areas with a great deal of rainfall. Uh, there are connections with Sasquatch and the dead in some traditions. That's something that I'm actually exploring a little bit right now for another project. Um, for example, it was believed that uh, Sasquatch could be harbingers of death, if you heard them, the Kushtika, in uh, some Alaskan lore. Or also uh, that the, the Sasquatch, the Bookwas in other tribal lore, actually presided over drowned ghosts. There are stories of time dilation and missing time with Bigfoot. Um, There's this, again, this child-stealing motif. There's this hybridity motif that you see time and again. Um, One of the things that I like to point out, and I I might have said this earlier, but I just, I love it because it really illustrates this connection that a lot of us take for granted. Um, So the Gilly Doo was a tall, sort of shaggy, solitary fairy of the Scottish Highlands, and uh, that's where we get the term ghillie suit from. But Australian yeah. special forces, Australian special forces, call their ghillie suits Yowie suits <laughs> after you know the Yowies of, of Australia, the Australian Bigfoot. So you know it really illustrates how similar these things are that we take it for granted. This is to say nothing of the more explicit things that people tend to cite, like motifs of the Green Man, but specifically the the Woodwose or the, the Woodwows, which are a tall, hairy, um, a tall, hairy fairy from the British Isles. Um, you know, uh similarly, uh you know, there's a case that I talked about in a Trojan feast where uh a brownie denied of its uh nightly offering of milk or whatnot, uh actually uh decimated a family's livestock. And that exact same behavior's been attributed to Bigfoot too. Um I'm not as sold on, on like uh, again,
0: again there- you have that happening with leprechauns too. Yeah,
1: I mean, so 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 it's it's. I know I'm getting this reputation as Mister. Therefore faithful, and I I really don't want to be. That.
0: I was going to say there's the, there's the everything is demons people, and you are becoming the everything is faithful yeah. people. But that's okay. Oh, but,
1: but at the same time, I feel like and this is something that you know my mentor Greg Bishop really you know drummed into me is that uh, you know the calcification of of your belief system I think really represents the 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 death of your intellectual honesty and i just i don't want to i don't want to become that guy so i'm i'm much less i'm much less adamant about the connection between uh fairies and and bigfoot fairies and sasquatch but there there are some connections there that really no one is looking at for sure i mean like if if you think that people don't are pointing out the the connections between aliens and fairies then <laughs> then let me introduce you to yeah. uh let me introduce. I, I you think to this. people have
0: done that, but I've never seen anybody making a connection between B- Bigfoot's and fairy folklore outside of things like like puckwudgies and things like that. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with puckwudgies, the legends of puckwudgies.
1: Yeah, um, and you know those are even more explicitly, you know, puckwudgies and uh, the Albatwitch up by where by where Tim lives, Tim Runner lives. Mm-hmm. Those are much more explicitly reminiscent of of uh, kobolds or or brownies that you find in, in the British Isles. Um,
0: which brings me to my next question: Since you are researching this stuff, how much of a cross-correlation do you find with Native American folklore that bleeds into this stuff?
1: Funny you should mention that. I actually just got a uh, <laughs> I just got this book of uh, North American elves, which uh, which I I tried to cancel it because Chris Woodyard said it wasn't that uh, wasn't as as good as I was hoping it would be. But it looks like there's some. There's some useful threads to pull on there, but, um, you know, it's, it's pretty explicit. I mean, the, the the connections between new world fairies and old world fairies, even though they're not really named as such. Um, uh, you know, there's the child stealing aspect. Um, there's this accusation that they braid horses, manes among certain tribes. Um, people who are taken might return and become a medicine man or a shaman. um, they tend to eat rubbish i mean that's something that you find in nearly every tradition from the jin of the middle east to the tengu of japan to the you know the western european uh western european fairy to the to the fairies of of the new world i mean this idea that they eat trash that is glamoured to appear as appealing food um, you know, you, you find a lot of these same, same things coming up time and again, to say nothing of the fact that they generally are regarded as short and generally tend to live underground. I mean, those are the sort of the three hallmarks that you look for when you're looking for faithful legends, you know, are they short? Do they like to steal kids and do they live underground? Um, uh, so, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just found a reference today that, um, sort of tying it back into the Bigfoot thing a little bit, but I just found a to reference today that certain people among the Cherokee, certain certain uh certain Cherokee beliefs allege that you could actually communicate with the uh these little people by uh making knocks in the woods, which I thought <laughs> that was really really a nice, interesting connection. Kinda of like yeah. communion. Ooh. Yeah, I mean yeah, and, and that's you know, that's something else that um I actually I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it, so maybe people don't even know that it's <laughs> that it's out. But uh the third volume of uh David Weatherly's Woodknocks, um uh both Tim and I, Tim Renner and I have essays in there and mine is all about just exploring the, the similarities between uh the similarities between Bigfoot and Poltergeist. Uh, which of course the knocks are, are a huge part of that in addition to, you know, ports of stones and whatnot.
0: Well, what's the correlation then? Because I haven't read. I haven't. Is is the book already out or?
1: Uh yeah, I mean it came out. Uh, I think it came out about six months ago or something. Um, but uh, I mean, so you've got you know you've got anomalous, you've got anomalous voices. Um, you've got uh, stones that are tossed around that are warm to the touch. Um, that's something that you find in Bigfoot reports and in poltergeist reports as well um it's it's i find it amazing the number of cases you can find on the bfr website that where no one has ever seen bigfoot but they're hearing knocks in their house they're hearing taps at the window they're hearing something running along the roof of their house and this is all poltergeist phenomena except the except for the fact that you know someone might have seen a bigfoot during a different event then it gets chalked up to bigfoot i mean you have got uh you've got unpleasant smells, you know, that's another thing Um, that, that, that occurs quite a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, also I would say that, you know, there's this tradition of, of gifting things to Bigfoot that you find. Uh, You know, people like to leave food out and they'll get a river stone back or something. There is a precedent for anything returned by Bigfoot to have been in a port in a seance. You know, I, I looked into it and it seems that that's, that's,
0: wait, what, what, wait, whoa, wait, wait. So, so,
1: So in these, in these gifting scenarios, people who claim to be Sasquatch habituators, so they've got Sasquatch living on their property, supposedly, even though they never take a photograph. That's another, that's another thing to complain about for a different day. But in exchange for an apple or something, or in exchange for some, some other sort of food stuff or for like a shiny bit of glass or something, again, this all sounds like fairy folk, uh, you know, offerings, but in exchange for these things, oftentimes Sasquatch will leave something behind like a river rock, um, a dead rodent, a feather. And each of these things also have precedence as a ports that were materialized during seances, especially during the age of spiritualism. Um, so a lot of the, and a lot of these sounds that people hear in the woods, again, there's, These Class B Sasquatch reports, right, These where Bigfoot isn't seen, but you've got stones being tossed. You've got knocking. You've got maybe something running along the roof of your house. Um, All these things are the the same things you run into in poltergeist experiences, heavy breathing, whistles, animal sounds that don't seem to have a a real source. To say nothing of the fact that some people have actually claimed to have seen –
0: you're describing my teenage years of dating experiences, but go ahead.
2: Wow, that's um <laughs> derby. <disturbing.
0: laughs> wow. Go ahead, I'm sorry, animals.
3: Throwing <laughs> stones <Rocks. laughs>
1: Heavy breathing. Um, <laughs> just to say nothing of the fact that there have been numerous accounts where – I mean so you look at what, where poltergeists tend to manifest. They tend to manifest either in a poltergeist infestation or in a seance. Well, there is no shortage of literature of mediums producing large ape-like creatures during seances. You know, Moreover, um, there's no shortage of poltergeist sort of infestations where people see large hairy hands or large hairy arms materializing uh, in a room or something. So it's, it all just – you know it 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 may be pareidolia right it may be i'm looking so hard for answers that i'm seeing patterns where there are none but at the same point if no one's bothering to address these things then someone might as well you know i I guess i'll take that bullet because i don't think many cryptozoologists read my books anyway (laughs) so i might as well further piss them off
0: well yeah there's that are are you really losing anything with that though you know know, it's,
1: it's um it's uh it's it's the sort of thing that i've said this for a while and trust me like my heart is in cryptozoology that was my gateway drug to all this stuff i love the idea that these things have a physical zoological basis and i even think that you know what we might be looking at in the case of bigfoot is something that is an unknown primate that sometimes has its imagery co-opted by whatever this other intelligence is similar to Mike Clellan's owls or something, you know, there are actual owls and then sometimes whatever behind the UFO phenomena uses owls as part of its imagery. Sometimes I think that there might be something going on with Bigfoot. But having said that, um, of all the disciplines that I'm interested in, um, you know, near death, um, UFOs, spirits. Cryptozoology is going to be the last uh the last the last group to the consciousness party. Like they're gonna be the last people to actually talk about the well, of consciousness and this stuff.
0: I was down at Mothman a couple of years ago hanging out poolside with a couple of people that were really big into the cryptozoological field. I'm not gonna drop names. I have in the past, so people can dig and they can find it. But the con- the conversation at some point turned to are these things spiritual? Are we actually seeing a real flesh and blood creature? And I'm not a Bigfoot guy at all. I've made it no secret. I'm most of the stuff I'm very much into. Bigfoot. I just I'm not a Bigfoot person. I don't I don't know if there's anything out there. I don't put a lot of thought into it. I personally don't believe there is a Bigfoot, but I'm comfortable with the fact if I'm wrong. So, and the conversation, anyways, turned to the spiritual aspect, and very quickly everybody there shot that down, and I've noticed that people are very tribal much like politics and everything else you know ufo's are ufo's ufo's are not to be associated with bigfoots bigfoots are not to be associated with ghosts if uh, i'm into ufo's and you bigfoot people are nuts well i'm a, i'm a bigfoot guy and you ufo guys are out of your mind you know whatever you know this is a flesh and blood real creature And then you have when I brought up instances of like, well, what about when somebody sees a a UFO and then a couple of days later or within the same period they have experiences of Bigfoots coming through their camp, and then they also have the phenomena of things being thrown at them or things moving around their campsite or whatever, and everybody goes, ah, that's that's rubbish, that's poppycock, you know, and it's like, well, you kind of have to take the whole pie; you can't just take the apple out of it, you know. I don't know. Yeah, um, you
1: know, I I think that. Honestly, I think if people want to downplay that, they're not only being intellectually dishonest, but they're just being I mean you're hunting Bigfoot for Pete's sake. I mean, you live in a glass house and you've got this bucket full of stones that you're chucking at other at other people, you know? Uh, you know, it's uh-huh. it's um uh it,
0: it's just funny to sit back and watch all this tribalism and all this and then you got the people like us who are squarely in the middle that you're kind of relegated and pushed to the side for the most part. So it's like we're just kind of left to grow like our own little amoeba over here looking at the looking at all these other things and going pulling from here and pulling from there and pulling from this and pulling from that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's um it's frustrating. That's for sure. It, it it's frustrating and because I I think that uh, I think that one of these things that has stifled progress in these areas is is that ghettofication you know that the um the cordoning off of research into these their own little discrete silos is is it's 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 shameful and it's it's anomalous in general because like i said you know to to your average Joe on the street we are all batshit insane, so there's no reason, you know, there's no reason to say these people. Guilty, you know, yes, and I'm not saying that you have to believe that, you know, I'm not saying that you have to believe that there are goblins that tend to. Oh look, my god! They're oh goblins. Boy. They're goblins in the White House.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lobo does the best, oh Alex Jones. God, don't get him started, I, that, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't
1: think. I don't think you. I don't think you have to take that into consideration. But I think when you have somebody who. It's all clockwork elves <laughs> turning the frogs gay. I think that if if you I think that if you're around this, you will hear people with. I mean, I keep on coming back to Bigfoot. You will hear people who have really strange Bigfoot stories, and it's not their job to leave stuff out or to self censor. It's your job to figure out what could be going on there and to just say, "Well, I'm going to take the I'm going to take everything about the fact that." You saw Bigfoot crossing the road at night, but I'm not going to say that, you know, your car stopped on its own when that happened. That's, that's just, that's, you, you can't, you, mm-hmm. this isn't, this isn't cafeteria cryptozoology. You can't pick and choose like that.
0: I had a guy that I worked with several years ago that, um, he was one of those people that was like, oh, you're into all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I have a podcast and I cover this stuff sometimes and stuff. And he was like openly, you know, yeah, haha ha, laughing at me. And then it always seems like every once in a while, actually all the time, People will come up to you later and say, I got a story for you, you know, when no one's around. And then they'll tell you the story. And his story was that he was up at his cabin and that they had seen a Bigfoot or something. He said it looked like a walking, like a walking moss. It didn't look, it wasn't hairy or anything. It looked like a, a I said, like Swamp Thing. He's like, I don't know what Swamp Thing is. Like, a comic book. He's like, well, I'm describing. big He goes, well, just, you know how moss grows on the side of a tree. It's, yeah. And he goes, that's what it looked like. It looked like this big ape made out of green moss just walking around he says and later that night we had all kinds of stuff happening like the refrigerator door kept opening and closing lights were blinking off on their own and he goes it was the strangest thing so you know i was like so you saw bigfoot then and he goes well i guess so maybe it was bigfoot but he wasn't describing as though it was a bigfoot but what really bugged him was the fact that he didn't he didn't like telling a story he didn't want to tell the story that he saw a bigfoot he didn't like telling the story that things were moving around in his cabin and stuff and strange things were happening in his cabin after he saw this thing so i was like well maybe you saw a Janakwa or something like that he's like what i never mind but anyways um he had this the story he had was very unusual and strange but he, again he didn't want to tell anybody about it because it didn't fit for one seeing bigfoot is laughed at and then tell people on top of that that things were moving around his cabin and uh, lights were blinking on and off and in the middle of the night his refrigerator door flew open and all the beer fell on the floor and stuff like that you know it only happened for one night for him after he saw it but he said that was the strangest thing i don't know what it was i don't know what happened or whatever I mean, he was asking me like for answers and i'm like i I don't know, you know, I,
3: <laughs> so, I'm, like,
0: so you're going to laugh at me in front of everybody. And then you're going to want me to be your paranormal psychologist off to the side. I'm like, I'm not the paranormal freak of the week here, but okay.
1: I'm absolutely enamored with that story. That's fantastic. Um, see, see to me, to me, like that's the stuff that's interesting. <laughs> you know, I mean, it,
0: well, I did do some research and there is a Northern Michigan. It's, it's a Northern States one. it's Northern Michigan, Wisconsin, um, Along those areas and parts of Canada where there is a Native American legend about a, a moss-like creature that walks around, it's not – the Janosqua was another name that the Native Americans used to call Sasquatch. I just threw that out there just to be like, ha, I, I look at my knowledge base, blah, 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 knowing that the guy wouldn't know what I was talking about. But anyways, oh, I, I confess to Dean – yeah, I could I totally confess to being a dick move in that situation, but my in my defense the guy had did just laugh at me in front of everybody, like I was an idiot for studying this kind of stuff. Moving on though, but there is a legend that pertains to a, a moss-like creature that is commonly uh mistaken for a bigfoot by many, you know, Native Americans. Well, when they do you can get this if you can get the story out of some of them that uh you know that's that's just like a guardian of the woods or something like that it's a guardian spirit or a nature spirit or something along those lines and it's not a bigfoot it behaves very differently than a bigfoot does it's not something that communicates with you but it's it's a guardian of the woods kind of thing. right yeah um I, I find that if you if you just if you josh is like right I, I know, I'm you,
1: kidding. if you find that you press on on people um if you, if you if you press on people a little bit, if even when they say, "Nah, I never had anything happen to me," they usually will be like, "Well, there was this one thing," and sometimes it's not yeah. as dramatic as seeing moss squatch, but you know, it's
0: yeah, moss squatch, good name for it. <laughs> oh. I was like swamp thing. I don't know what swamp thing is. Like, man oh, thing. God, come on. <laughs> yeah, man thing. Sure, <laughs> man bear pig. <laughs> man bear pig. I'm going to close the show out by asking you one final topic, and we can take this as long as it needs to go, or as short as it needs to go. Recently, you, writ- you had written a um, biblically long, um, probably the longest post that you have ever written about skepticism. It was damn near a book within itself, or an essay of some form or another. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, Would you like to get on the couch and you know? No,
1: so it's been a good spread show. out. And, <laughs> yeah, no, it's um. All- and- uh, yeah, I, I just – it was uh, – it took me about – I mean, so I don't – I actually don't do short form as well as I do long form in terms of like – for some reason, in some ways, it's harder for me to write, harder for me to to put my thoughts down. Probably because I'm just trying to pack as much as I can.
0: Dude, you were venting. Well, yeah, you know, there <laughs>
1: there's, some, there's some real I, – I kept on seeing the same set of pedants on Twitter – saying the same boring stuff from their scientistic high horses. And let me be clear, I'm not anti-science, I'm anti-scientism. And I didn't think it did me any good to try to combat some of these old, tired ideas over social media. I I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to put this out there, and it'll you know it'll be like the thing that I can point to from now on whenever people ask me these things because it's exceedingly apparent that this is not a, a phenomenon that can be scientifically measured. And to say that all all things real must be scientifically measured is it's just it's it's not it's not true. I mean, <laughs> it's fundamentally not true. Anything material can be measured with science. Yes, I agree, but you know there are there are, there are certain personal truths that can be measured with science i mean for example the love that you feel for someone um
0: chemical reaction in the brain yeah well i
1: mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, mean, I mean yeah i know where you're going yeah, yeah, with yeah, this. Yeah. you know yeah. I, you know uh, chemically no different than eating a bunch of of chocolate right chocolate like, like
0: come on as the as uh, what movie was that from um God, it was the one where Keanu Reeves played the son of the uh, the, the son of Satan, the attorney, devil's advocate, um, devil's advocate, because that's a line that that uh, he uses. Keanu well. Reeves um, with an awful um,
1: Southern accent. <laughs>
0: um, Keanu Keanu it was who, who played his dad? Who played his dad? It was um, Robert De Niro. Was yeah. it De Niro? Yeah. Al Pacino. No, no it know. wasn't De Niro. You know,
1: yeah,
0: Ooh, uh. Pacino. Yeah. yeah, it was Al Pacino. That's right, because that was a line that Al Pacino used in there to destroy yeah. love right before the demon daughter molested him. Um. Um, yeah, but go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: So it's just it's just little things like that. Um, additionally, you know this, this idea that I mean, I, I opened up the, the the blog post with a quote from Gordon White, which is basically you can't measure title changes in a sink. Theoretically, you could perhaps buy extremely expensive. Um, measuring its tools to actually measure the the tiny insignificant change and, and, and theoretically blow it up to tidal proportions, but everybody would laugh you out of the room. You have to go measure it on the beach. Now, what happens if that phenomena that you're trying to measure is entirely unpredictable in terms of its regularity, and uh, what happens if there's some sort of additional omnipotence standing outside of it, too, that has some sort of power to deliberately thwart your attempts to study it? I
0: mean, but as soon as you say the omnipotence part, that is where it all falls apart in that argument. How so? Because you can't measure the. Oh yes, omnipotence. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly.
0: That's like saying God is manipulating things. Well, prove to me that God right. exists. Right. That's that's where your argument's going to and, fall and,
1: short, and, and that's the reason that it's not scientific it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that these paranormal things aren't real or don't have some sort of base in reality, but they aren't scientific and those things are not mutually exclusive. I think it's the real, you know, I think that's the real epistemological thing to get across is just because something can't be measured scientifically doesn't mean it's not real or just because, you know, and again, science is great. Science is the best tool that we have for separating nonsense from truth. But, um,
0: it's kind of the only tool we have really Yeah. yeah. So, so, and, <laughs> so,
1: and so basically so I was just trying to take that apart the other thing that really was bugging me was the way that some of these paradoxes that are actually that I actually don't necessarily um, a lot of paradoxes have been weaponized by skeptics and, and they've been the the actual paradox are not more favorable towards science through sort of skeptical explanations than they are paranormal ones um, you know um, what I mean by that, for example, is, uh, you know, Occam's razor, which is not that the simplest answer is always the right answer. It's that you, when trying to explain something, you should not multiply unnecessarily. So which of the t- two scenarios multiplies unnecessarily in the case of the you know 1950s Kelly Hopkinsville case? Is it that some rural Kentucky people? Had a night with something that they can't explain. They had ideas, but they can't explain it. Something quite odd. Or is it more realistic that the people in Kentucky were getting drunk on Moonshine and were so drunk out of their minds that they could not recognize owls and thought that owls were little spacemen? Like it just, you know, one of these things multiplies unnecessarily, the other doesn't. Doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not not casting. I'm not saying which one is true or not, but you'll hear Occam's Razor trot it out as, as you know some sort of idea that the simplest answer is always true, and it's just not. <laughs> um, uh,
2: the most obscure answer is usually the one that's right.
1: <laughs> you know, in, my, in my personal experience, yeah. Um, the, the other thing that bugs me too is, is this um, – the concept of uh, the God of the Gaps, which is, again, a very, very sound – idea, the idea that just because you can't explain something doesn't mean that that means that there's divine intervention. However, a lot of skeptics weaponize this and they say that it means that you know when there are gaps, for example well, – so maybe I should clarify that a little bit bigger, better. Um, you put out rotten meat – we put out meat rather and three days later, there are maggots on the meat, spontaneous generation, right? I don't, I don't know what happened but it must be magical. And as science continues along, they say, "Oh no, the maggots are the result of eggs that are results the result of flies that were drawn to the smell of the meat." That gap has been filled, and so like, there are numerous things that are still mysterious about, um, still mysterious, uh, in, our, in our world um, that some people will uh, some people will put out there as you know sort of evidence of the of the of the divine, you know. Uh, you know. The, the God the gaps. And again, the, the, the material skeptic will say, well, that doesn't, you know, time and again, it's been proven that these gaps close. And uh, just because these gaps exist does not mean that there is something supernatural going on. But so many of them make this extra erroneous step, which is just because there are gaps doesn't mean that there's something supernatural going on. Science will fill in those gaps. Which is in itself a violation of the God of the Gaps fallacy. You're 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 subbing in you're subbing in scientism for theology, basically. Um, it's it's what Rupert Sheld, no, it's uh, what Karl Popper, Rupert Sheldr, uh, uh, quoted him, but it's what Karl Popper called the uh, the empty promissory note of materialism, which is this constant promise that every blank every gap will be filled in. Maybe, maybe not, but. Yeah, I don't believe that either. Yeah, I, I don't. But, 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 you, <laughs> but you can't do. You can't start using that explanation because you have then turned science into faith, and you see this mistake all the time. So that's sort of that's sort of the the blog post in a nutshell. There's a lot more in there. I talk about uh, skeptics explaining, which is definitely a thing. A thing you know, when you're talking to somebody about about uh, you know the alien abduction phenomenon, and they're like. Well, you see there's this thing called sleep paralysis and sometimes people experience these feelings and sensations of being paralyzed. You know, and meanwhile, you're like five sentences ahead of them because, you know, among other things, they are conflating. They could be conflating a vector for the paranormal rather with the cause of the paranormal. You know what I mean? So, you know, they're not they're not even entertaining the idea that maybe sleep paralysis is something that allows something else to come in. Again, maybe it isn't.
0: Or maybe it's both. Yeah, but these ideas only go so far. Sleep paralysis, yes, does explain a lot, but it doesn't. Whereas they're, because I know people like this, where it's like, well, that explains this. And if it doesn't, then they're just lying. Maybe. Have you ever thought of that? Maybe the person is just lying. Because we had into, I had into a conversation with somebody about Travis Walton and, uh, they were like, well, what do you think about it? I'm like, well, his story sounds pretty sound. He hasn't changed the story over the years. He's always stuck with the same story. Whereas most people, you, you can tell a bullshit factor when the story starts to change. It's like, all right, I need to change the story to keep my story relevant, which uh, you see happen with the Rindlesham UFO cases. my favorite yeah. ones to go to. Yeah. Whereas with Travis Walton, he's like, I've told my story. This is it. You know, I've answered every question about it. I'm still sticking to the same story. Uh, this was false. This did happen. That, that that didn't happen. The movie changed this, blah, blah, blah. But Travis has always stuck to the same story. And the response that I get is, well, maybe it's just because he's told the story so many times that he's got it memorized and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, then why are we having this conversation? Well, if you're not going to make any headway with me, then I'm not going to make any with you. Why are we talking about this? Right. If it comes down to, well, he's just lying, then... Then there's no point in there's no point in investigating this any further. Why are you doing? Well, and, it? You know, and, and, <laughs> and,
1: and no one wants to sit with, no one wants to sit with, no one wants to shrug anymore. You know, no one wants to sit with the fact that these things, a little bit of one might be true, and a little bit of the other might be true, or you know, there's no way to tell. You know, just because something's less likely doesn't mean it didn't happen. So yeah, that's sort of that's sort of where I landed on all that.
0: It's like the. Uh There's the Einstein thing, which I'm not sure it's into this real well, but it's the spooky action at a distance motif where some, you know, Einstein couldn't explain what was going on. There was like an atom here and an atom way over here that were tied together. And this one is being affected by that one at such a distance.
1: Right. Yeah. And and it's interesting. I heard somebody, uh, I think it was on, I think it was on strange familiars, Um, uh, not familiar. (laughs) You always say strange familiars, Do you know that? You ever get any grief
0: for that? Yeah, I know. It's I and I. I said that last time I was talking about him. I have a very. It's it's a weird thing. There's there's like our show project archive is actually archivist. I just say it wrong, and I fully own up to it when I no, do it's it. Okay, got um, it, got it. And I think it, the familiars things come that comes from way back when I used to first started playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I had a mage, and it was like a pet, and that word was said to me that way probably by somebody else, and it just got stuck in my head. Um, for the longest time, I couldn't say the word genre. I kept saying engineer for the longest, or, longest time because or, somebody said it to me that way. Or
1: equine, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Equine, equine. Yeah. So <laughs> okay, okay. anyway,
1: somebody, somebody on street. I think it was, I think it was on strange familiars. Um, uh, someone, someone made the comment.
0: You say familiars funny. Okay, but well, ahead.
1: oh well. Um, someone <laughs> said uh, that it's almost like the obs- dealing with the paranormal is almost like the observer effect in reverse, where the thing that you're looking at looks back at you and starts affecting you. You know, so
0: mm-hmm. uh. exactly. Let's just move squirrels on to, uh, limb so you do. Chicken. What? Mm. Elves
2: are known as limb chicken? Squirrels are known as limb chicken.
0: I have befriended squirrels in my yard.
2: They're going to kill you.
0: Yeah, it's become annoying annoyance because they'll come up and, like, scratch on the window when the screen's open because they want me to give them food now. They want. They're storing up for winter. Yeah. Which I'm completely cool being friends with squirrels. So I guess I'm their pet now.
2: They do mm -hmm. stupid
0: human tricks. Watch when we scratch.
2: He gives us stuff. Bug infested vermin
0: tree rats. They are not bug infested. They are not. Yes, they are. I I ate one last year. It was delicious. (laughs) It was delicious.
3: Wow. All
0: right. Let's close this out because we've been going for over two hours now. Um, you did say you're working on a new book, and you neglected to mention the name for obvious reasons, but um, you're researching Bigfoot from the sounds of it. When do you expect this next project to be done?
1: Uh, it's, a good, it's a good question. Um, I, mean, I would think sometime in a year. Um, that would be that would be what I'd guess. I, uh, it, I've i never done a joint project before, so it's going to partially get hinge on that.
0: I'm, are you going to go out and do field research as well with this one like you did with your fae folklore stories because you're kind of going in a different direction here Yeah, I don't know. Um I uh Are you going to go squatching? Let me let's
1: <laughs> Coy, I can be There there will be a field there will be a field work aspect to this. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah.
0: Okay. <clears throat> um are you one of those people that, like, forecast books, three books out or whatever? Like, do you, do you have an idea for what you're going to do after that? Because it sounds like you need to go into the whole phenomena of with the undead and ghosts and things like that. You've got enough ammo there, it would seem to go with it. Or are you just burning out on this topic entirely or are you going to go in a different direction?
1: I mean, yeah. <laughs> all those, all those <laughs> things, you know. Answer. Um,
0: Is Queen Mabe going to show up in your sleep and beat your ass again? <laughs>
1: You know, I, I I do feel I do feel. Actually, I was um, I was sitting down to watch something with my wife today for Halloween, something spooky, and I was just like, you know what, we I, we got like ten minutes in, I'm like, I just don't feel like watching something spooky. <laughs> I, I, I'm around this stuff too much, you know. Um, so uh, you know, I I don't know, I I need to put my money where my mouth is and actually put together my uh my. Fiction book that's been knocking around in my head, uh, but I just don't have the uh, haven't had the courage to take that leap yet.
0: Yeah, because last time we talked to you, I was like, "What book do you got coming out next?" And you said something that was like going to be a fiction book or something like that. And then you threw this out, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, was he lying?" Yeah, well, this this
1: this came my way, and I was like, "I kind of have to." Uh-uh. So anyway, um, I uh, I ended up. I think I'm going to try to do both of them at the same time. That's that's at least my plan right now. In fits and starts, um, they they seem seems like both of them will be a little bit different pace than what I'm used to. So that might that might uh, fit into my life a little bit better given some of the things that I've got (laughs) coming up in my life. Um,
0: yeah, we'll see how that works out.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Choices will
0: have to be made.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so there's there's that. So yeah, and a little bit of fatigue too. I mean, I I think that, that. I mean, basically, when you look at what I, what I've done over the past three years, I mean, three books and two essays in two collections, you know, um, of, of essays. Damn uh, there really hasn't been, a, yeah, there really hasn't been a time in the past three years that I haven't been writing something. So, I part of me kind of wants to take a, a quick little breather. So, I don't know. It's it's all a little bit up in the up in the air, but I'm definitely you know putting some effort into this joint project.
0: Well, I will say. Without trying to uh, smoke up your ass, Wait. that this is the um, this is the best one you've done so far. I, I can see in every book progressively more and more how you're becoming more of a writer, more rounded and more polished, and um, you're also becoming more like better at self-editing what you put in the book and what you take out of it for the most part. Um, the directions well, thank you. I really do that appreciate going that. In. I yeah, appreciate you can, you that. You can definitely see the strides that you're making as a writer and a researcher. Um, and I I, really, I truly do mean that. It's it's very enjoyable reads to do. Um So, yeah, stick with it you know, or just take a break. You probably should take a break if you're beginning to feel the burnout or what have you. Maybe having a co-author with you will help you out and kind of take some of that fatigue off of you. Yeah, I, don't know. I just want to do switch it off, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've often wanted to write a book, but I just – I can't do it. I mean, as it is, I'm dyslexic as it is now, so – and I have a hard time focusing for the most part on stuff. Um I think that's a product of our age, though. I think that's with everybody. I've noticed, like, now it's really hard for me to sit down and read a book because I'm so used to getting my news and the stuff that I read and real quick blurbs and snippets mm-hmm. and articles that you post up. Right. I often wonder, like, everything that I post up on Facebook, I wonder how many people are actually reading it or just reading the title of the article and liking it and making a comment based on the title of the article rather than reading the article.
3: Oh, yeah. Because
0: they can't read the article because I can't take the time to read it or comprehend what they're reading anymore. I'm going off on a rant. <laughs>
2: Believe it or not, people can read the articles you send. There are there are those of us that do read quickly.
0: I know. I know. But I wonder how many, like, because we've got people on our Facebook page that don't even listen to the show. They're just there to read the strangeness that goes through mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, that's the wild. Tremendous amount. Yeah, the amount of weird stuff that gets found and put on there and, you know, the stuff that I post on there continuously because I just come across so <clears> much <throat> of it. There's people that are there just to see it go by. But I wonder how many people are like they'll put a really cool article up there and it'll be really long and I'll be like how many people are actually going to read this article or just read two paragraphs and say yeah I'm out I get to just buy. Right. You know, and comment and put a smiley face or a thumbs up or you know. So I'm wondering how many people actually out there are getting real value out of this. So, I don't know, you know, maybe people are. I don't know, they're, they have <laughs> our page is slowly growing, so, you know, who can say. Anyways, um As always, thank you for coming on here and doing this. You don't need an invite. Just bug us and say, (laughs) when are you free to do it? And we'll have you on here. Um, Hopefully, fingers crossed, you will be back on here, hopefully within the next two months for a show that we've got coming up that I don't want to say and I don't want to jinx. You
1: still owe me a Spark episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, you owe him a show as well. well, So.
1: uh, just like I don't need an invitation, you guys need to always assume that I'll always be down. So <laughs> if, sure. if I make it work, yeah, but you're so uh, busy. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, it's it's, gonna, it's easier to work around you. It's getting it's getting less busy now. I mean, like you know, it's it's the the uh, the um, the book bu- promo promo circuit is starting to wind down a little bit. So
0: it's nice. Yeah, we saved you for last. <laughs> for last. You saved us for last. For last yeah. Well, hopefully, we've uh, we've given you a different, entertaining interview, and we've given people something to think about. So, uh, as always, yeah, thanks for coming on here, Josh. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's it's fun just to have you here just to talk.
1: Well, it's 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 an absolute pleasure, guys. I, I um, it's just it's it's always fun, always fun. Love you, brother. How
0: much do we have to pay you to get a mention in one of your books? Um. Yeah. No, why would you want no, to cheapen no
2: his literature like that?
0: Well, I'm not saying we would pay him. I'm just saying if somebody were to theoretically, oh my you know, god. To want to, get, to pay to get a shout out in the book, see, you know. Now, you now I'm going to make it a point. Now, please don't do no, that. No, what you do is, when the next book and you give us a shout out, you have to say, you know, give us a shout out, and then put in parentheses, they paid me to say this.
1: <laughs> little asterisk, paid, paid podcast
0: promotion. Yeah. Oh my god. Thanks a lot, man. You take Take care, y'all. Thanks. So, Josh, uh, a rambling, Josh. Actually, we were all rambling. But, um... I, I was talking to you before the show that I detected nervousness in him and but you're like no that's how he always is on all these shows because mm-hmm. it just sounded like there was a lot of uhs and ums and long pauses and things like that but maybe that was just him thinking or whatever he loves being here he genuinely yeah. does they're just like, word whiskers all week long it was like I'm gonna be on Project Archivist and I'm like you're getting like <laughs> you don't you don't make this much noise when you go on coast to coast AM or you know or whatever. So, you know, he's family. That's so, why. Yeah, he is. He is. It's you know. It's just he's so busy. We don't. I don't have a. I have a hard time trying to pin him down because he's always got stuff coming up. Um, but he said he's going to start slowing down. Hopefully, he can come back for the other show that we want to do at Thanksgiving. I'm I'm really hoping that 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 all falls together properly and should do. just to have him here. Yeah. Um, I do it's not going to be like when we have Chuck and when we had Chuck and Todd on where it was like, everybody talk at once a mile a minute and go, you know, this is, <laughs> this hopefully will be a little bit different, but, um, man, we covered a lot of ground here. Oh, um, yeah. it was like, it wasn't just him talking. It was us talking about stuff that happened to us and everything else. So it just kind of flowed and went, mm-hmm. but moving on. So here's the story. Um, if you follow us on social media, if you're part of our Facebook page, or if you follow me, and I think you, I think you re, didn't you redo it in your Facebook page too? I don't remember. or I know uh, you reposted it somewhere. I don't know if you posted maybe? it on the page or on your Facebook profile. I, I also number. did it on Twitter. I said, hey, call into the show and tell everybody what your favorite pizza is. Thinking we might get a couple of phone calls. Because whenever I say, "Hey, call contact the show, and you know, give us a shout out, let us know where you're calling from, or let us know where you're listening from or whatever, nothing. we We will go a year without phone calls or anything from anybody out there. And then when we do get phone calls, it's from a select group of you know the hardcore the hardcore listeners. Um, even though I don't think uh, Aaron and his wife have called in yet. Um, no. Surprisingly. (laughs) Well, they should now. They they listen to this. They don't really have an excuse now, do they? Correct. Now, now they're both going to call repeatedly, which is fine. Good. But anyways, so if you are a person that's on our Facebook page, um, it's kind of gone to the whole pizza thing. I put a post up a little while ago about pineapple and pizza, and then from there things just progressively went downhill. So our Facebook page basically works as if you're on our Facebook page It is throughout the day or whenever we have time or other listeners have time or it's a community we all hang out we all know each other both myself and mobile are very accessible on there. very active um everybody posts all kinds of strange news throughout the day or a certain group of people we have a whole lot of lurkers in there that don't interact at all that are just there to read the stuff and see what's going on but very seldom do people interact whatever that's fine they're there but everybody's been posting all this stuff about pizza as of late. Um, as of right now, it has slowed down a little bit. But because of this, it will probably increase again. So going back to what I said, I put a message up saying, hey, call into the show and talk to us about what your favorite pizza is or what you define as being a pizza. Because Chuck actually made a pizza with pickles on it. That was and-
2: so good. Oh, God. That was so good.
0: Oh, wow. No. He's going to force me to try to eat one in Vegas, I know. Do it, dude, try. No. The only time I have ever had pizza and pickles was when I had a Big Mac, uh, a Big Mac pizza with yeah. pickles on it. And that was okay, because it tasted like a Big Mac. Okay. But eating pizza with spaghetti sauce and, and, and cheese and pickles on it just does not sound appealing to me. And he threw, like, peppers on there, and then he made this Charles dude, Manson good. face. Not to me. But anyways... So it's become this one-upsmanship between everybody on the page, it seems like, to try to post more and more grosser and grosser kinds of pizza. One was posted where it was candy corn. Did you see that one? Oh, that
2: looks terrible. I a candy, I hate corn, candy one. corn, though.
0: There was a green pea pizza. Um, no, peas don't belong on a pizza. No. um there is all kinds of stuff on there. So, anyways, not one of you called. Not two of you called. Not three of you called. Like twenty-five of you people called and left voicemails about pizza. Even cute little Amy called in twice to have two separate messages about pizza. Yay. We have pizza calling in with strange accents from different parts of the country that are I que- I question the validity of them. Um, <laughs> it was it's That's just nuts. funny. So I'm like. Ask you to call into the show. Tell us where you're calling from, you know, blah, blah, blah. Give us, you know, give us some feedback. Not a word. I say call in about pizza, and every one of you freaking assholes calls in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so here's Yay. how this is
0: going to work. I can't possibly run all of these calls in one show, nor do I want to run all these calls over a span of like 10 shows because people that don't know what's going on are going to be listening to it, going, why are all these people, people calling in about pizza? Well, it's a meme with us at this point. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to save all of these calls. And when Christmas time comes, um, right between Halloween and Halloween, that's our our Christmas, that's why I said that. Between Christmas and New Year's, I usually like to post a couple of extra bonus episodes up or just, you know, whatever. I throw some extra stuff out there as a thank you to everybody throughout the year for supporting the show and what have you. Um, so what I'm going to do is we're going to do a pizza oriented show of all things weird relating to pizza, strange new strange deaths regarding pizzas. And I already have a decent amount. And at the same time, I'm going to edit all of these shows these calls into the show. So this is going to be an episode to look forward to because there's no other way than on a regular show. We would do a show normally about the subject of pizza. It's, I don't know. But we'll do it for we'll do it for Christmas time because so many of you guys called. Don't call anymore about pizza calls. We no, have too keep many. Calling. No, don't. We have too keep many. Calling. I won't be able to use them all. So, hold on for something else. Okay, so we're gonna call have a in show with your favorite sandwich. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so that's it. Now, uh, let me check one thing here real Post quick. Post recipes for your favorite dishes. You know what? We knew a show that we always we said we were gonna do, but we never did and that was the one that was all like uh, strange recipes from like serial killers murderers mm-hmm. and strange people yeah, yeah I history. still have
2: that book Yeah, we
0: supposed the, to uh, talk about that never happened what was the, what was it Bella Guinness was that her cookbook no uh, what the hell was her name I got it on here somewhere
2: it's, uh, it, they were all recipes from a serial killer what the hell was her name
0: god it damn all, it we were going to do a show I remember Robert Schneck was supposed to be involved yep. and we just never got around to doing it I, I still want to do that show maybe we still can I, mm-hmm. If we can get together, I, the problem I think I ran into is I couldn't find enough recipes from from weird people, convicted serial killers or whatever, just strange recipes. And on top of that, what am I supposed to do? Read the recipes on the air? You know? And yeah. I, <laughs> that yeah, that's odd. odd. In hindsight, that seems a little stupid. Yeah, that seems a little odd. So yeah,
2: Sorry, I brought it up.
0: <laughs> I, well, no, I mean, I, we could do it, but I don't, I'm not sure how we could do it. That's the thing. You know, I, I don't know. We'll have to figure, maybe that's why we didn't do it. So looking at the calendar, I'll be away next weekend so there won't be a show. We can record yep. a show on the 27th, which is a Saturday, and then the following week is Halloween. More than likely, I mm. will drop the show that I already have recorded with Winston Conrad dealing with werewolf court cases from Winston. the- um, late eighteen eighteen hundreds 1800s and 1900s that are we it was a strange show it wasn't what i thought it was going to be but it works um do it it's all uh, yeah that'll probably drop on the 27th because that'll be the one right before halloween and then maybe i'll go back and throw one of our old halloween episodes up as a bonus kind of thing because there was the one that we recorded years ago where me and you opened up the show with the uh halloween hanukkah thing do you remember that uh we recorded the little thing at the beginning of it it was halloween was our favorite time of year and you were talking about drinking oh my god fingers. yeah <laughs> you know right oh, oh, yeah, god, that's still right there now. yeah it's still it's oh, still fuck. well it's that not was... really a normal best of show that i could drop but you know what i might drop it on halloween or something like that i just wanted to do find the one like,
2: where i talk about eli
0: um <laughs> eli
2: Yeah, Yeah. the laser, and I was talking like uh, Emperor Palpatine. Yeah,
0: um, Aaron found that show for us. I just haven't gone back and dug it back out yet. Jeez. I sound like
2: an idiot.
0: Well, we did sound like a lot of idiot in a lot of our old shows. All right, um, I'm going to let you go, and we're going to wrap this show up because I really have to finish editing this and get it into the feed because we haven't done a show this long in quite some time. (laughs) I'm almost done. I'm almost done and do hang out for the outtakes at the end of it. Now I'm I'm also struggling with what I'm going to do the show with what music, but I think I've got something figured out. So cool. I'm taking a little classic Camper Van Beethoven song that we've used or a, ver- a version of before. Cool. But, um, all right. This is Rogan. Uh, peace out from the D. I have no this clue what I'm saying. What? I have nothing clever to say. Well, I'm so whipped right now.
2: So this pissed. is Lobo from Connecticut. Black Phillip is, in fact, a goat.
0: Wait, what am I thinking? Black I was thinking black pudding. That's black pudding. Pudding isn't? is blood. Yeah, it's a It's cooked blood, isn't it?
3: Yeah.
2: With it's pretty good in it?
0: Yeah. Mhm. Okay.
2: Oats. And so it's pretty good. Oats? I like it. Yeah, it's got oats in it and it's good. Trust me.
0: Okay. I was going to have you look up the recipe for it, but we're good. Oh, maybe go. next time. I want to go. Peace, folks. Bye. Yeah, I
2: don't know. Bye-bye.
0: Say it live. Come on.
2: I said it Why? to you because you were the one talking about it. Yeah, then you should have said it out loud and you should have corrected hey, me. We are in the middle of talking. No. I don't I try not to talk over people.
0: Well, I know, but when I said, all right, we're going to talk about this now, and you're like, no. I nope. didn't find it at that point. Well, you can talk about it no, now. It's already passed. You want to say it? You brought it up. No, I can't. All right. I can't read off my phone because it distracted the. Sh- you sent me a paragraph <laughs> when I'm talking to Josh and I'm like, mid sentence. That's going to completely read this but this is the moss monster that i'm talking about right well they talk about you it
2: brought it up you talk about it
0: i don't know what the hell it is you're the only you information ju- You were just
2: talking about it how can you say you don't know what the fuck it is you brought well, it you up. found
0: it i did this is going into the outtakes <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> why, why won't you read this whatever I gave Fine. You the information I'm not gonna read it off of my phone. Plus, it's I don't know my where the source phone. material is. It's on
2: my phone. I'm supposed to read it off of my. Don't read it off of phone your phone. phone no.
0: Is it the same thing that you sent me exactly? Yes. Oh my god.
2: What's that? People, the Norovirus. Awesome.
0: I don't know why your signal keeps cutting out. I think it's the connection of the three of us together that's making it happen. I don't too. know. Uh-oh. We give people the Norovirus. I can't even pronounce this. What the hell? I'll try to read it. Good. The little man was called the... Bofoil? Or kawi. Yeah, I can't... Dude, really? Seriously, you want me to read yeah. this? Yeah! Yeah, I do! Or not! I can't read it's, this! Then just leave it! Put you, it the show names notes! being used alone or together. The translation of Bapoli, bi- Bipolar, is the Thrower. The translation of kawi. Anuku and Anu Shaska. Sorry, guys. Back. The one who stays in the woods. Hold on. We're having a, a spousal dispute here. The one that stays in the woods, or to give more concise translation, forest dweller. Forest dweller, little men can be compared to the European counterparts, dwarves, elves, gnomes, and leprechauns. That doesn't tell me anything other than the names of it that I can't here pronounce. You can you pronounce them? Probably can not. Can you pronounce cause... one of these names? Just pronounce one of these names. No. Both. Oh my god, damn you! You brought
2: it up. Okay. I gave you the information. Follow through. You, you sent it to fucker. me in Follow a paragraph-long
0: text in the middle in the middle of a conversation with Josh. <laughs> what, 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 what are we talking about? The bo- he sent me a text. I was in the middle of asking you a question, and my phone went off because we talk behind oh, the scenes right, via right, text when we need to. And he sent me this thing about what the what those little green moss creatures were. And the man, ca- uh, the little man, is called the B O H P O. Bopali ba- or Kawi Anukasha, Anukasha, both names being used or together. The translation of Bopali or the thrower, the translation of Kawi Anakasha wa Wanabanya uh <laughs> the one who stays in the like a lot the one who stays in the woods or to give a more concise translation, the forest dweller. Little man can be compared to the European Conference dwarves, elves, Domes, and leprechauns. So, yeah, there. I have to, like, do some clever editing here at this point. So, so, to so make so make
1: this... Sorry, guys. I, uh, yeah. Better now.
0: Yeah, where did we leave off at? I can't remember now. I was in the middle of arguing with him. I don't know. So...